Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 238, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot from 1974. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode is brought to you by Joel Osteen. Live inspired, reach your dreams, become all God created you to be. If you need a fake preacher that hides money in his walls, call Joel Osteen. Well, shout out to Joel Osteen. Is he in jail or is he out of jail? Where is Joel Osteen right now? I... I don't think in jail. I think that he's just, you know, preaching. Just out there right. preaching. Well, shout out to him and shout out to Justin Kleinman, our patron, who picked this movie for us to watch. Uh, I had never seen it before. I don't think you had seen it before. No. Is that correct? I've never seen it before. Nope. Well, we will talk about it after the break. But, Joe, first, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since we last spoke? I spent the weekend visiting Rachel's parents, so we were hanging out with them. Uh, went down and uh, saw them this weekend. I did my normal uh, Delaware DMV Maryland uh, tour of orange crushes and crab cakes. Okay. Uh, so I ate my fill of I like at this point pretty much the only thing I eat when I go down there is is crab cakes because they're really 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 good. That's, you know, what they're kind of known for. So, sure. yeah, so, like, it was, otherwise, it was a really chill weekend. I opened up a weird can of worms this playoff hockey season, superstition-wise. I accidentally made jello shots, like, the first game of the of the Penguins series. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, and they won in triple overtime, so uh, I've just been, like, you know, facing a dozen tray of jello shots every game that the Penguins play. But, uh, and they're up 3-2 right now as we record this, right? Is that right? Yeah, they lost. Yes, as we record, they lost last night. Uh, they were in New York. It was a do-or-die game for New York. Sidney Crosby got elbowed in the face in the second period. They blew a lead, almost tied. They tied it, blew a lead again. So uh wasn't the best showing, but we're playing with our third-string goalie. Crosby got punched in the face or elbowed in the face, and... We were in New Is York. Is he out for like multiple games or just out for last night? Uh, they like or still TBD. TBD, and they've been like really weird all like playoffs. Like it's just an upper body injury, and like will be evaluated. So gotcha. Like, I, I I think it's part of the strategy, but I don't know. I hope that he's back because we just need to close this out and hopefully get like people healthy again. But anyway, that's what I've been doing. Watching a lot of hockey. Uh, playoff hockey has been great this year. I don't know how it'll be, but like the first rounds have been a lot of fun. So uh, cool. if you're not watching it, give it a shot. They've been really, really competitive. Lots of uh, bad blood between all the teams. And like at one point, like a couple days ago, every series was tied 2-2. So like oh, besides wow. like, yeah, it was like the abs swept. The Penguins were up 3-1. Every other series was 2-2. So lots of parody, lots of fun. Um, but that's pretty much it. What have you been up to, brother? I feel like I've done a lot. Let me see here. I, so we recorded last week. So on Thursday, I saw Doctor Strange, which I'm assuming you guys have not seen yet. No, no, because when we went, we had tickets to go see it on uh, Friday, but we chose to go visit Rachel's parents. So we canceled our tickets. Um, how was it? 
do you know it's good um i was hoping i would like it more but it's good it's not you know okay i like the whatever but do you know there's a big thing that happens that's relevant to us that is out there on the internet that you might have already seen do you know anything about the movie like spoiler sort of wise or no no i haven't seen anything still haven't watched the trailer um even though it's been on tv a lot um dr strange is one of my favorites so i was trying to go in blind and i'm successful so far can I tell you a thing? It has nothing to do with the movie. It's just the credit scene. Um, is or do you it not spoilery? want to? It's, well, it's not spoilery for this movie. It's a credit scene. So, like, it's it's setting up the next movie. Oh no! Hold off, please. Oh god! What? It's is it? Because it's relevant. Is it like super spo- spoilery? I don't know how to decide. I don't know how to, it, it has nothing to do with this movie. Is it about somebody that's in the, like another movie coming up? Correct. Okay, and it's somebody. But this that's person is already posting about it on their social media. Interesting. So, like the fact that you have not seen this yet, I, I guess you could maybe continue to avoid it. But they are already posting about it and sharing their, you know, look and whatever. Okay, just tell me like who it is, but no context of like what character they are or anything. Well, I don't. Like you're that. not going to. I fair? don't think. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's fair. Um, I don't think that like like I had to ask Nico who this person was playing because oh. like, it's not clear. Yeah, but still, just like tell me the person like, but not the character or anything like that, and I'll figure that out later. Is that cool? Cool. Yeah, Is it fair deal. So if you uh, if you have not seen yet and you want to um, go in blind, you know, skip forward a little bit. But uh, Charlize Theron. Oh, I maybe saw her post something about this. Or maybe I saw, like, you repost something about this. I, did, I have not posted anything, because I feel weird. Like, I posted... Yeah. Uh, I actually... No, I actually didn't post anything. Like, I was very excited. Like, I I saw this, and, like, I was just, like... I messaged you and Wes. I'm like, have you guys seen it? You're both, like... Wes is like, I might wait till it's at home. And you're like, I haven't seen it yet. I'm like, I'm like, I know you're out of town, but I'm like, come on, guys. Like, I need to talk about this with somebody. And I messaged Mike, because obviously Mike and I did the podcast about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, have you seen this? He's like, I'm watching the credit scene now. And I'm like, well... <laughs> And then, like ten minutes later, he's like, "Oh my god!" So uh, <laughs> that's yeah, really like, cool. Good addition. I like, like it. She's she's not in the main movie, but she's in like the like what happens next kind of thing. And I won't give context for that. But Perfect. That's cool. Obviously Very relevant fair. to this. Yep. Relevant to me and Mike. Yep. Very exciting. Um, but I was like, uh, Nico, uh, who who is she? And so he told me who that is. Like I could tell you, but like it, it like that doesn't even really matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Um, but he, she plays a character that he wishes was in the first movie. Um, that he was upset that wasn't in the first movie, the first Doctor Strange. Okay. And I'm like, okay. okay, cool. Like, he told me the context of, like, you know, who she is or whatever, so. But yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I guess, like, if there could have been, like, the only things more relevant to this would have been, like, if, like, Groot showed up, right? Like, that, I mean, but, like, that wouldn't be, like, sur- a surprise, right? Like, it's just well, like, no. oh, yeah, Groot's here for whatever reason, right? So. I mean, yeah. I could, like, you know, the, like, the Fast Fam is so spread now that it, yes. it really could be, like, you know what I mean? Like, it yeah, and like been it's, anyone, it's, but that's a with good, her. It's yeah. it's a weird thing where it's like she hasn't been around that long, but now this is you know the next one's gonna be her third movie, so it's like she's kind of been here for a while, right? So yeah, exactly. So that was good. I think it's like sort of you know middle of the road ish um, MCU, but okay. It, you know, I also finished Moon Knight, which I think it didn't really work, and like I don't I don't think that I'm getting burnt out. Like I might be getting burnt out on um, Marvel. I don't know, but like. I, I wasn't as crazy about Doctor Strange as I thought I was going to, and I did not really love Moon Knight, but, you know, it is what We it watched, is. like, the first three episodes of Moon Knight. We do have plans to finish it, obviously. I think four and five are the best episodes. That's the thing. Like, it's good, 
but it's not super captivating. Well, you know how like, the first three, you're just like, I don't know what's going on because he doesn't know what's going on? Yes, yes, that's, that's where we are still, essentially. I think that's like a terrible way to structure a six-hour thing for like half of it to be like, I don't know what's going on. It's like, okay, cool, but like we're halfway through this thing. I'm like, I don't have context for anything, right? So it's yeah. just kind of a, a weird sort of thing. Yep, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think probably because of that, it wasn't getting the hype some of the other Marvel shows get. I think it's also kind of shitty to introduce, like, a new character with a show. Well, that's the thing. It's like they're trying to figure out, I think they're trying to play the game of, like, will this person be able to make a, you know, star in a movie that can make $600 million? And if not, we're just going to debut them on, on a TV show. Because, I mean, like, they... Yep, that, I get it. Because they're definitely out to make This is only money. the start. They're going to keep doing this in a big way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they're just like they're printing money that's what their yes. goal is mm-hmm. rightfully so like that's fine yeah we were like i was talking about it with one of my co-workers and we were like it's weird all of the shows <laughs> seem to have like one thing in common <laughs> and like it's very obvious that like the main characters from all the shows sometimes don't look like the guys that get all the movies <laughs> and we were like weird yes it's like hey we heard you you want more people of color well watch them on your tv because they're not going to the big screen right? yeah that, so. that's what we're saying they're like yeah. come on man like like the women the brown people like all of them are like well you'll get a tv show and we'll give you six hours of it but like you ain't getting a movie like, okay. yeah and i will say and i know that you've watched this though but for people who have not seen dr strange yet, i don't know like what this cross section is but if you've not seen dr strange yet and you still plan to make sure that you see WandaVision before because it is basically like not like WandaVision part two but like it'll be a lot more because it's basically and i appreciate this because i like wanda as a character but like, i love it's, it's more yeah. wanda's movie than dr strange's movie oh okay interesting which I think is probably somewhat hinted at in the marketing materials. Like I haven't seen, I didn't watch the trailers, obviously, but like I saw you know. her, I like I saw a glimmer of her in a trailer, and I was like, yeah. "That's enough for me." I'm no, done. I mean she's like firmly featured in this movie. So you know, if you make sure you've seen WandaVision, if you have not, I know you guys did, so you'll be good. Um, also, been watching, I've uh, been catching up on other TV. I started Better Call Saul, but I'm still a couple episodes behind. I caught up on Barry, the show on HBO. Do you guys watch Barry or no? No, we don't, but I know that you had mentioned it before, and I've heard a lot of other people say that they really liked it. Yeah, Barry's good. I don't like Barry as much as other as my friends do, but I like Barry. It's it's good, and I like the season. The season's good. That was one that really got like screwed by COVID. Like It's been, like I think, three full years or something since the season, so just crazy, but yeah. it's back and still good. Um, what else? I finished Winning Time, that uh, L.A. Lakers show, which is great. Was it good consistently? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, it's, it's one of the best shows of the year, I think. Awesome. Caught back up on Atlanta, which has been great. I think that was all the big TV that I watched. And I want the only other show that I, I need to catch up on Saul, like I said, I want to watch We Own This City, which is the guy who made The Wire, has a new show, again, set in Baltimore on mm. HBO. That has three of six episodes that uh, my friends really enjoy. Um, I have not seen yet because I just is it, fell behind on TV. Uh, is it like wiry i'm assuming in the sense yeah that, but like, it's, it's, it's crime and... I, I i believe the the goal of this and you know take it for what it is that like it's basically like him just saying like okay but like all like acab but like the tv show because like you know the wire kind of glorified cops in a way and this is kind of taking a different look at it or whatever so you know but it's david simon and he you know, like exclusively makes great shit so yeah exactly it's out there Half of the six episodes have aired already on HBO Max, and I think they air on Monday. So by the time this comes out on the main feed, a fourth one will be out. Then on Sunday, 
Bob's friend Bud wrote a book and was having a reading in New York. And so we went in for that just because we're going to, I think we're going to have him on, the goal is to have him on the podcast sometime soon. That's cool. As, you know, cover his book and talk to him about yeah. the book. And so while we were like, okay, let's go in the city because it's like, it's like Sunday night. And I had heard that the new Gaspar No, Gaspar Noe, I don't know how to pronounce it. I meant to look it up before I did the episode, but I did not. Uh, but the guy who did like Enter the Void and Climax and Irreversible, like this like French director who makes crazy intense movies, has this new movie out like in one theater in New York. And okay. it's 52 minutes long, so it's not really a feature length. It's the ticket was $17. And so it was $17 for 52 minutes. But we're like, when do you get a chance to see one of these guys' movies on the big screen? And so we went and it was great. It was crazy. Um, It was, it's like this, you know, making of a a movie, like a director making a movie, all this whatever, also kind of became like a fashion. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but like, it's really good. I don't know. It was also one of those things that like, I don't know, like legally or illegally when I would be able to watch it if I didn't see it in the theater. So we saw that on Sunday. That was very cool. cool. Yeah, that's always fun to do. I like, like, you know, niche events like that very very cool yeah yeah and i think oh and then last night i keep forgetting like i keep looking at my calendar but last night bob and i went to go see i had bought tickets a while ago to see joe para who i've talked about a lot on here yes yes he was yes. performing in bethlehem pa he was doing this like sort of he was in pittsburgh the night before he was doing this sort of like smaller venues okay and he's doing it this was the last night of his tour and he's doing bigger venues in the fall this the guy who like introduced it who like did the booking for the the venue said that like he he got freaked out because he's been doing this for 11 years and this was the first show that he's ever booked that sold out on the first day and so obviously oh, like you know, joe para got a lot more popular i think like season three especially between like hbo max and adult swim and whatever yeah sort of yeah, boosted yeah. his whatever presence stature whatever uh but it was great it was so funny um it's the first live comedy i've seen you know since the pandemic so yeah. i think part of it was that but i also just think it was like just he was so good. The opener was good. It was just incredible. So if you are able to see Joe Perra this fall, it's it was you know one of the best sets I've seen live. And I've seen a bunch of comedy live, so highly recommend. Then I got to meet and greet afterwards, and I bought a tour poster. I was only ten bucks, so all good. I was I had a great time. So that was it was a really good week. Yeah, you sent me a picture of you and Joe Perra together, but he had his mask on, so I didn't recognize. Yeah, you were not who the only person who did not uh, recognize him. Yeah, like from eyes up, it kind of hard. Yeah. So, because uh, he also he just like is the white guy, right? So yes, and also like my friends were like he's he's shorter than I thought he would have been. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, but he short, seems very yeah. tall. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, so he was yeah. yeah Maybe other people on the show are shorter than him. I don't know, but he's like he's like normal height. Like I'm six foot, but he's a couple inches shorter than me. So like you would think, I don't know. No, but he also does. he's very thin, so maybe exudes sort of tall guy yeah, energy. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think about it till you just brought it up, but like when I see him do stand up and stuff, I I envision him being like six four for some reason. I no no idea why, but yeah, so interesting. And his opener was doing stuff about like how he's like a tall guy, like not Joe Perry, but like the opener's a tall guy. I'm like he looks kind of like average height, so I don't know. Like yeah, who knows? Height's a weird thing, man. But yeah, it is. So and the perception on TV is is what I'm like mostly concerned about, right? Oh well, speaking of perception on TV, not really. I have some devastating news, Joe. NBC has canceled the Endgame. Fuck, really? But but the but I, I could have USB... told you that after the first episode. Yeah, I agree. Did you watch any after you stopped talking about it or no? Like, did you ever like, hey, we should watch an episode of that? No, I just I forget. It's I forgot about it. Like, I literally like it is wiped from my brain until sometimes I'm watching like some sport 
that happens to be because I think like what like NBC because they got rid of NBCSN and now it's just on USA. So sometimes I'm like watching USA and they're like NBC's hit drama, The End Game. I was like, oh fuck yeah, I forgot that that's a show. <laughs> like every mm-hmm. time. yeah. So no, my reaction is just I forget. Well, you don't have to forget anymore because it is no longer going to be a thing. Damn. So yeah, like it was fine, but it's just like. I don't know, like it was trying to be something that it wasn't, or who knows, right? What? But, you know, if you're listening to this and you have no idea what we're talking about, it was a show that uh, Justin Lin directed the pilot of or produced or something, right? Did he direct the yeah. pilot or he just produced it? I think he might have just produced it. Yeah, and... I think he was a producer on it. And so we watched like the first two, and then I watched like the third episode, and it was just like a very convoluted story that yep. wanted to kind of open up, like, Prison Break, but wasn't doing that. So that's, yeah, that's how it went. Damn. R.I.P. to the endgame. What a life lived. We have a Patreon page, Too Fast, TooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of Ooh. High School Slumber Party. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport, Jason Rainey, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all for supporting us the $5 a month level or above. I think what the Pirates, like, optioned Cole Tucker today on on the on the note of... Oh, they sent him down in the minors? Yeah. Ooh. And all the, like, Pirates fans were like, Good. Send Vanessa Hudgens down to the minors too, or, or like something. I don't know. They were they were trying to blame him, blame her for his lack of success right now. So disgusting. I sent it was uh, so weird, yeah. you know I sent our Montez the link that I sent you that yesterday in the news. Zach Efron was like, you know, I'd be open to a, a High School Musical reboot. Fuck like yeah. You know, he would do more. Yeah. And I sent it to Montez, and she's like, maybe I can finally watch it. I'm like, you're literally, I mean, not literally, but you're literally named after one of the characters. You have to watch it. So, you know. Yeah. Plus, as we discovered, pretty decent. Pretty decent. First movies. one's pretty good. Second one's great. Third second one's, one's great. Third one's the worst of the bunch. But t- second one's great. Yeah. Plus, you have, you know, Sharp Ace Fabulous Adventure. Mm hmm. Yeah. All of it. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. And also, um,. What was the name of the short story that we read by Zephron Lover 19? Sharp Ace Fabulous Adventure 2. That's right. I was like, there's got to be a title, but it was just, it was it was right there in front of me. It had all the clues, Mr. Police. <laughs> Smacked you right in the face, bud. I do also want to say that I was, I beat the main story of The Witness, which is that puzzle game that I started last week that I was talking to Wes about. There is, at the end of The Witness, though, there's this thing called The Challenge. So The Witness Ooh. is a puzzle game. Okay. And every puzzle is literally like, the only control in the game. Like, there's no enemies. It's just you walk around this island trying to solve puzzles. Like, you, like, it, learn, it teaches you how to do the thing or whatever, and it's just, you know, you go around and do puzzles, right? Do you think Rachel would like this game? It's it's very difficult. I think if she doesn't mind getting frustrated about puzzles, yes. She cuz I was talking to Matt about this like she really likes puzzle games, but she she doesn't do well with like pr- like timed pressure. Like Portal. Like she loved Portal. Oh, she loved Portal. So I think you it, it's worth it's worth checking out then. It's like it's it's the the idea is like when it's like enemies coming at you no yeah there's no there's no enemies here and like suspense building so this actually sounds like kind of like a perfect game for her that you can just do it at your own pace and figure it out yeah yes so at the the end of at the end of the game there's a thing called the challenge and so the challenge is a randomized series of puzzles 
So, like, just sort of how, like, Spelunky is, like, the same rules and the same enemies or whatever, but, like, every time it's different. Like, this is kind okay, of like yeah. that, like, what's called, like, a rogue light. It, it goes from easy puzzles to harder puzzles. But what's crazy about it, in, like, a maddening way that's also, like, perfect for this game, you, you progress, like, you have, to, you have to complete a certain number of puzzles, like, the next section opens. And you have to do this in, like, six or seven minutes. Like, it's playing a song, and I don't remember the name of the song, but, like, it's a very iconic very famous very classic classical music piece right okay and so you have to beat this whole thing in like six or seven minutes however however long the length of the song is that's how long you have to beat the challenge and so every time you beat like a section it opens up the next section there's like five or six sections or whatever and once you beat them all you finish the challenge but at one point there's a thing that opens where there's three puzzles in front of you and they all look like things that you've done before but two are impossible like, they just can't be solved, and so you have to figure uh-huh. out which of them you can solve, which is so frustrating. And then there's another one where, like, you're trying to find puzzles. Like, there's, like, this hallway with doors that, like, block your path that, like, just pop up, like, randomly, and, like, you can't – you have to navigate around them. So you're navigating around these doors that, like, get in your face that also uh, hide, like, obscure – two puzzles you need to beat one and find the other and like that's where i'm stuck like i just get to this place every time and the puzzles are hard and it's frustrating room and i'm like god damn it um and then there's more beyond that that i haven't gotten to yet but that's not like to, to beat the witness you don't have to do that. that that's like the additional like hard challenge like the final thing at the end the game. yeah yeah so like that's the kind of thing where like if rachel's like no fuck this i don't want this like that you don't you don't have to do that to beat the game i think you could probably get it now for like 15 or 20 bucks and probably like five or ten when it's on sale makes sense um, yeah. So, because it's been out for a, a while, so computer or Xbox or whatever you have, um, you know, it's there. So, yeah, for sure, I would say check it out. But shout out to our patrons once again for supporting us at Too Fast, TooForever.com. If you want bonus episodes, early access to episodes, minute Fast and Furious minute quiz, swag and merchandise, handwritten notes, our undying love and affection, Ooh. Too Fast, TooForever.com. We also have an email address, family at cageclub.me. And I don't remember, do we have emails today? Let's see. Uh, you bought, did you buy a t-shirt from us that I made for you? Did you buy that t-shirt? No, it went on, the, the store's not on sale. I'm waiting for the sale. No, it is, it's on, it's it's on sale a, again. It already? Well, so when I, when you, when you list a new item, it, it's on sale for like a, a couple days. Okay. okay. But now that's a site-wide sale. So yeah, I looked earlier. Okay. So we, somebody bought one. So your friend bought one. Joe made me make... This very kind of dumb Pittsburgh Steelers only would be interested in it T-shirt of the guy who was drafted by the Steelers was memed. Like, describe what this was, because I, I don't exactly know what I made. George Pickens, our second round pick, played for the University of Georgia. He went to the second round n- not because of his talent, but because he's had, like, some discipline issues in the sense that he, like, gets into fights a lot fought one of his own teammates and got suspended from the team for a little bit. Generally, seems a little a little unhinged. When he was drafted, he wasn't at the draft. A lot of people like stayed at home. And so he was watching himself getting drafted by the Steelers and he's like standing in front of this TV on like a like what looks like uh, a dresser, like a clothes dresser, mm-hmm. and he's watching it there's a video of him like and he's in this really weird posture he has kind of like not a ski mask but like some kind of weird silvery ski mask on and he's like standing there watching himself getting drafted nodding at the tv saying like yes i got drafted and it's just like a really weird experience and so um all the Pittsburgh people were like laughing at this just how 
insane this guy looks in this video. And then, like, it cuts to his, like, it, like, turns to his family and everybody's, like, hype, but he's still just staring at the TV, just nodding to himself. Because he's standing there in a weird posture with a ski mask on staring at the TV, they've, like, replaced things on the TV. So you're like, can you please take this and do something Fast and Furious with it? So I made, I took the scene of This is Brazil, yes. and I skewed it, and I warped it, and I put it on the TV. And so you were right that your friend did buy it. So I got the, you've made a sale, so you got $2 from your friend, so shout out to your friend, and then you'll buy one. But the store right now, I don't know how long, but again, like we've said before, if you want to buy something from the store, it's on sale three or four times a month. We can't control that, so just wait, but... I'm know. adding to cart right now. I also set the default color to be black to make it a little bit easier for you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, but I got, but I had to select a, a tri-blend t-shirt, extra soft. That's the good mm. one, right? Uh, whatever the most expensive one is, the nice one. Yeah, that's what I think. Tri-blend sounds right. So I'm, I'm getting, I'm gonna get a nice tri-blend uh, one. But yeah, it's a really weird, hyper-specific niche uh, thing. But I think it's hilarious. So thank you, and I will buy mine as soon as we finish. And if you want those sh- that shirt or any shirt, too fast, too forever dot shop. It's our T public store. I think. At least and go look at the picture because he's he's such a weirdo. Like that's just what to have I- a sense of yeah what we're talking about because like you, I feel like if you're not in the sports world, even if you're not like in like the Pittsburgh sports world, you might not have seen this thing. Right? Oh so, no, like, no, definitely not. It's like it's hyper specific to, yeah, it's like super super niche. But just the enjoyment of him like just go look at the picture because it's so weird to see him this is how he got drafted like how he watched himself get drafted it's really strange so too fast too far without shop for that we have no other emails but if you want to email again family at cageclub.me and we will read it on the next episode joe on the streets news about the fast and furious aside from the dr strange spoiler which i will not say again and the end game being canceled i have one small thing of news or anything you have seen in the last week uh, no, we talked about directory stuffs. I saw Twitter talking about directory stuffs. So, but no, no new news. The only thing of note in it, it doesn't really tie into us yet, but, but Ava Mendez is unretiring. She's coming back. Oh, to yeah. 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 So we, she won't, she said she's going to do any sexuality or violence. And so the discussion on Twitter, on our Twitter was, uh, is Fast and Furious violent? But it's not, I don't think it's that kind of violence. We watched some. What Nicholas Ryan and Wine and Ref and Eva Mendez movies that were like more violent, right? Yeah, so, there's intense stuff out there. Yes, there's intense, and she did. So like we know she did like some kind of more artsy movies, and like I'm I'm thinking she's talking about like those like gratuitous violence right. in film. I would agree. And I don't I don't think Fast and the Furious counts as that at all. Like there's yeah, not like action violence, not like you know. There's no blood on ABC TV or whatever. Yeah, like. I mean, they do kill, like, you know, entire cities of people or whatever, but at the same time, like, I don't think Fast and the Furious is violent. Right. Yeah. yeah I would agree. So maybe she'll come back. You know, we would love to see Monica Fuentes come back, because, you know, she's obviously in the one movie and then the one scene, but doesn't come back, but, you know, bring everybody back for 10 and 11, right? And also, Fuck get it, Gosling yeah. in there, too. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. But I think that's all the news that I've seen. Nothing really of note. Reaction Rocket was like, is Louis Leterrier actually confirmed? Because, like, everything's just like, he's projected to be he's going to be offered or whatever well, we like, haven't seen him on set or anything he makes a very good point i agree you know like there's no like pictures of like him and vin like new director same right. parts <laughs> but like my point was that every other time that we have had one of those like oh like jason momoa in talks to join brie larson in talks to join like they all get confirmed like i think that universal is more inclined to not lose a million dollars a day like it's been by this point 
probably close to two weeks since that happened, right? So, like, we would know by now if, like, he, it wasn't working out. I would assume that, like, he's just getting up to speed in, like, a crash course and just, like, all right, let's figure it out. I think that, and I also think that it would have been advantageous for Universal to leak who it was to see reactions. And he did have a new, a new movie come out on Netflix that has uh, not been getting great reviews, so we'll see. But, you know, there's more uh, foundational stuff backing the Fast and Furious Fast 10 that, you know, a little worrying, but not, you know, not devastating, right? So No, it'll be fine. I mean, like, they're, they're going to make a movie, so it's not like the movie's getting canceled. It's just going to be what kind of movie is it when we get the end product. I will answer this next question for you because I think the answer is still no, but is Dwayne Johnson in Fast 10? Nope. Damn. But he is, once again, my transition every week in Young Rock Season 2, Episode 9. Again, a family-inspired title of Backyard Brawl BQ. Good name for a wrestling match, by the way. Did you know, is this a thing that, like, you had heard about before? Because obviously, like, they in this episode, they tease WrestleMania coming, right? But, like, is the Backyard Brawl BQ a thing that you had heard of before, or no? Absolutely not, because it seems like it was just for the, uh the Hawaiian wrestling promotion, right? And, like, as much as they had those wrestlers, like, come and wrestle there, like, that was never a thing that I knew. To be honest, like, I don't even know about this or that it was The Rock's grandma, right? Right, okay. Before the show. Because it's just, like, some random league, like, it, you know, like, if you were like, oh, yeah, like, this, you know, double-A baseball team, you'd be like, yeah, uh, maybe I heard of it, but, like, I didn't know anything about it. Because I think, like, you know, the the bigger, higher-profile stuff, like, if we see a WrestleMania or, like, that first, you know, The Rock's first act, like, professional wrestling match, like, those are going to be, like, maybe slightly fictionalized, but largely just true to form. I think that these sort of more indie, underground, not underground, but, like, not really known to anybody but the most diehards, there's, a, there's more room to be like, well, it's not really how it happened, but, like, nobody can really fact-check it, you know what I mean? So, like... I'm not saying like it's care. not true. They're fictionalizing it, but like they could make it bigger or different or better or whatever, right? Like, yeah, I actually I believe that it was probably like in the what the Hawaii Bowl and like all this stuff. Like, it would make sense. It like there's no reason for them to like make that up, right? So like, yeah. And at the time, like I don't know. I guess wrestling wasn't as ubiquitous and like on TV and Hawaii is on like a completely different time zone type situation. So like it would make sense that like the Hawaiian promotion is big and they have Macho Man and Andre the Giant come over to like take vacations and wrestle there for whatever. So yeah. Did what did you think of this episode overall? Um I really, really love Young Dewey, so I thought it was pretty decent. This was another like mostly like father episode. Yeah. And man, the more episodes we get with him, the more I think that he's like fucking awesome in this show. Like he's yeah, I, the guy playing Rocky Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Like this was like top tier for him in this one. Like it, it actually it was like a lot of a lot less of Young Dewey, right? It was firmly him, like screen yeah, well, time what, wise. What, what was weird is that you said you know it's a Young Dewey episode. I'm just like yeah, but we don't spend most of our time there. No, like, oh, no, we spend almost the entire time there. It's just like not his story. Like the only thing about Young Dewey is that. Uh, we hear that, like, you know, him respecting that girl means that every other girl in the school wants to res- wants him to respect them, too. Like, they all have a crush on young Dewey. But, like, yeah. other than that, it's entirely, you know, Rocky being upset that he wasn't selected for WrestleMania and just, like, going out there and wrestling in this, in the backyard brawl barbecue. Yes, and we finally are getting some kind of, like, tying up of the storyline that is, like, The Rock's dad going to Saudi Arabia and kind of, like, getting them to where middle dewey is 
which is like I feel kind like that's of... gonna be season three, I would imagine. What? Him in like Rocky, like for at least for young Dewey, like Rocky in Saudi Arabia. I don't think it's gonna be that big of a storyline. I think that it just like we just like kind of wrapped it up. Like you know what I mean? Like now we're getting to the like... oh, you don't think you don't think we're gonna see it? No, nah, not for more than an episode. It's not gonna be like a huge thing because like we've already kind of had every possible part of that arc besides just it happening, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, I guess, I guess I wonder, like, I, because I, I, again, I don't know anything about you know the Rock's backstory, but like, if Young Dewey goes to live with him in Saudi Arabia he for doesn't. a couple of years or whatever, I don't, I don't think he does, and I think it was just like one, like a, like a two week, one month stint, right? So of the timing, he doesn't like mention, he never mentioned like being in Saudi Arabia. So I think that it was like, oh, he just went to go do this like you know small run of wrestling matches. And then comes back and, like, we just get the fallout on every which side. And, like, it's really not important to the story. And he wasn't there. So, like, what is he going to do, like, tell his dad's story? Like, he might tell the story of, like, him being at home and, like, you know, they get a phone call and we get an episode with it. But, like, I don't think there's enough story there to just actually produce, like, an arc. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I was, I was, for some reason, I was just expecting there to be, like, more, like, they were setting, because, you know, at the end of every season or whatever, you start to think of, like, what's being, like, what is yes. just, like, uh, in this season or what's setting up the next season or whatever I thought it could be, but, you know, it makes a, it's a valid point that maybe not, so, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I just don't think that, it's also, like, is it really that exciting to think about, right? Because this is the rock story. So, like, do you want four episodes of his dad being in Saudi Arabia? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, what I did appreciate about this episode, though, is that we wrap up the grandma being sued by having Andre the Giant go out and get drunk with Greg Yao. He, he doesn't, like, go out and get drunk with him. He kind of, like, uh, sets him up to Oh, get yeah, drunk. for sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he he drinks with him, but because he is able to drink forever, because he's, you know, a huge dude and he's French and whatever, um, goes out, gets a, he gets a tattoo that reads, I love drugs. Yep. Um, and just, you know, he shows Comes up the next hammered. morning in, like, in merch and stuff from the bar and everything and just, like, completely, you know, discredits him as a witness. So it was cool. Like, I'm glad that that, you know, it was always going to, you know, I think get wrapped up. But I was glad that it's, we're behind, that's behind us now. Is it, like, officially done? I, I don't remember. Did they, like... Well, no, she she gets, she's found not guilty. So, like, the, okay, cool, that, that's over. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if we got a ruling in this episode or not. Yeah, I we see remember. her on, like, the courts outside and, like, there's a lower third that just says, like, Maya Villa not guilty. Okay. Cool. That makes sense. Do you know any of, like, the Andre the Giant drinking stories? Only what they've, like, you know, hinted at or talked about or alluded to on here. Like, he was just so massive, and, like, a beer is, like, so small to him. Like, there's uh, there's a lot of pictures of, like, him holding a beer, which is really funny, because, like, the can looks so... You, you know these, like, 10-ounce cans that they sell at the store yeah. now? Like, the mm-hmm. mini mixer ones? Like... Me holding a can always reminds me of the picture of, like, Andre the Giant holding, like, a normal beer can. Because he's just, like, so massive. So, like, there's, like, all these stories that he would, like, sit at a bar and he could drink, like, 50 beers and just be totally fine. They they order, like, this, like, super high alcohol, expensive, rare, whatever whiskey off the top shelf, right? And so... Yeah. And, like, you're not going to out... He's just... He's fucking 400 pounds and, like, 8 feet, right? So, like, you're not going to out drink him just on mass alone. So well played i like that storyline it cracked me up and then the whole like the the drama in this episode about the backyard barbecue is that we think that like uh you know rocky is not turned heel but like has given up has like you know been like i'm i I got screwed over or whatever like i'm not gonna do this thing and then 
uh, no, like he just he's he was playing along all the time, and that you know he and Tony Atlas had this whole plan, and you know comes back and they win the and they win the match. But it thinks I, I did think genuinely, like I got, I got you know duped by the episode that I was like, oh, he's gonna you know he's he's done. I thought that he was. I, I thought that I thought that he was having an ego trip, and I I agree. I thought that he was like I'm I'm like not selling. Like I'm actually pissed. I can't do this. But good for him for tucking his tail and you know putting on a good show any other thoughts about oh also the the return to the ring was all scored by il grande duel duello i don't know how to pronounce that part in italian but uh it's the song from like the spaghetti westerns like the grand duel and i think also might be in like good the bad the ugly or whatever but also in kill bill oh that makes sense i didn't catch it but that's really funny nice touch yeah yeah uh any other thoughts any other notes about backyard brawl bq no it was good we're still like I'm I'm over this fucking Dr. Julian story unless they do something with it. Like I hate these like oh here here's that kid again that's like mad at the rock but like I thought we kind of solved it. I don't I don't get it anymore. But other than that, I think this was a pretty decent one cuz I really like the actor that plays the dad and I like the character of the dad a lot. Yeah. Well, then the last thing to do before we take a break is to go to the too fast, too furious minute minute 61, a minute I called binding the rat cop. You've been on my payroll a long time. Ron, that ain't right. Shut up. I got one last job for you, Detective. You hear me? Look, we've been all through this. Yeah? Yeah, and I said I can't do it. That's the wrong answer. Let's have I'm a detective, Ferone! Anything to me, like the whole force is gonna be on your ass in a minute. Shut your mouth. You fat piece of shit. Stop right now. Right. What the hell? What the hell is it? Sit down. I'm gonna regret this. Stop right now. Once the bucket gets hot enough, detective, the rat is gonna want out. The only direction it can go. So in this minute, Carter Verone tells Detective Whitworth once again that he has one more job for him. Whitworth refuses the ask. Carter then has Elian and Fidel pin Detective Whitworth to the table and bind his hands. Carter lifts a rat out of the champagne ice bucket previously covered by a napkin. Carter tells Brian and Roman to sit down. Then Carter begins to tell Detective Whitworth what he's about to do as the minute ends. My big takeaway here is that that rat was so well behaved just sitting there quietly and not squeaking while he's just chilling in the ice bucket. I don't I don't know if I told you this before, but like, okay, obviously we do uh, mouse experiments for some of the research that we mm-hmm. do. Like very early on in the lab, uh, I went down to the mouse room to do surgeries with one of the guys I was working with that like has now left. I picked the first mouse, not a rat, but like the first mouse up because like you picked them up by the tail like he did. And it, like, spun up, bit my finger, and I was like, oh, you motherfuckers. Like, I felt bad for, like, the mice that we do experiments on for, like, 0.2 seconds until he bit me. And I was like, yep, yeah, probably. We we deserve to, you know, do some experiments and get some, get some human findings and help some real people out. And, like, you mouse are sacrificed in a good light because you're assholes. So, uh, yeah, the, so you saying he was well-behaved, he looked like he was pretty tweaked when he had him by the tail, but, uh... Well, yeah, I'm just, I'm mostly joking that, like, 
you would I think that in a normal room if there was a rat in the bucket you would see the napkin moving you would hear squeaks or whatever right like you would but or hear like like cuz yes. it looks like it's like aluminum right it's like you'd hear its feet like da 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 like around right. yeah exactly but because it's a movie and they don't need to actually have the rat in there they like don't have a rat in there until they need the rat in there and he just takes it off but i just thought it was kind of funny just like to think about you know he's been whatever, sitting in right? there for so, like 6 hours like yeah. how who knows like when they set the rat up in the bucket for him but what did you notice in this minute? Because I was, I don't want to keep saying that like this is like a, you know, not much happens, but it's, f- f- considering the next minute there's going to be a, a rat on a guy's chest getting heat up in a bucket, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more this minute. Like, we get to the thing, but like, what did you notice in this minute? Because there's not a ton, I don't think. No, there's not a ton. I was looking around at the, around the room. There's two other champagne bucket stands that have a champagne bottle in them, and we saw Carter open what I think is a third one somewhere that, like, isn't shown in that overview shot. Okay. So this room just has, like, three separate areas of champagne bottles on deck, like, already filled, which is kind of weird to me that, like, like, we were talking about, like, Carter having cigars pretty much just, like, sitting around everywhere. Well, like, he also has champagne bottles just kind of sitting around fucking everywhere. So it's And it's there's not weird. a ton. I mean, they're in a club, but they're not, like, a ton of people around to drink those, right? Yeah, and if it's, like, you, the guys, and, like, Monica, like, why would you have them, like, across on different sides of the room, too? It was just, it's just weird. I, you know what I mean? Like, stupid movie staging stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the tables has a bottle of wine on it and what looks to me to be, like, a purse or like an possibly Monica's clutch. So I wanted to um, check back or see in the future if she does pick this up, but it's like a small kind of uh, light brown tannish thing that looks like it's a flattish purse that is sitting okay. next to a wine bottle. But there, again, there's another wine bottle sitting there that this one looks like it's open. So like they have a wine bottle open, Carter opens a bottle of champagne, then you have two bottles of champagne in buckets on decks. Uh, Carter might be an alcoholic. That's that's what I'm trying to get to here. Maybe. Yeah. You never know. Never know. Uh, speaking of cigars, there's a, a momentous, you know, a, a, an iconic cigar scene in the movie we're going to talk about later. So, you know, not really. They, they do drink beers, no champagne, but, uh, you know, Carter Verone has a little bit of a lineage, I guess. Not really, with Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I'm just like, where did I just see a cigar? Oh, right, in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. So, yeah. That and um, also, this is really weird. Okay, so we're, we were right that there's, you know, the, dis- the, the laid out displayed zip ties existed on the table because they mm-hmm. use them. But they use them in the weirdest possible way. Did you notice this too? Yeah. So this is what the trivia question I have is about kind of, in my mind, I'm just imag- imagining that Eliana Fidel, Roberto and Enrique are just holding him down. Yes. I'm just like, that's how it, that, you know, whatever, that's just how it is, whatever. They, like, grab but his wrists, yeah. They bind his wrists with the zip ties. Separately. To, like, each. Yeah, separately. Each of them. To, like, a long piece of, like, string or fabric or something. No, no, no. And it's they, just, the zip tie is so long, that's oh. the end of the zip tie. It, they're, like, so it's like super It's like a four-foot-long zip, t- zip tie. Yeah. Because when they were sitting on the, the thing, the, like, the hoops of the zip tie were, like, as big around as a basketball, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. So if you pull that, right, like, then you get, like, three feet, four feet of zip tie on one end. Okay. So they they zip tie each hand separately. Yes. And then they hold it. And I think maybe put their foot on his forearms? I don't know. It's it's weird. Have you ever tried to hold the end of a zip tie? It's not an effective way to do it. 
Have you ever tried to hold the end of a zip tie? Yeah, it slips. It's slippery. Yeah, so it's so stupid. This is the like it's yeah. This is the dumbest possible way you could have bound this guy, especially when you could have just like taken his wrists, put them together, and just put them above his head, right? Yeah, because I think the other the other interesting thing, the, the the question I did write down, which we'll get to in a minute, is that like instead of just like ripping Whitworth's shirt open with his yes! hands, yep. Carter's like flailing around with this like butterfly knife. And I'm like, why is any of this happening? Like, I guess it's like the butterfly knife is cinematic. The zip tie thing, I don't understand. Like, it doesn't look cooler. It looks like less cool. It's, it's weirder. It's not like, oh, I, I get why it looks cool in the movie. It's like, no, that's, it doesn't look cool in the movie. It looks weird in the movie. If you're going to zip tie a guy, they picked like the worst possible table for it. Because like, even if they had like any type of regular table that had four legs... You could just, like, zip tie his wrist to the legs of the table, right? And they don't have that either. So now we have to do this wacky, like, hold the zip tie, put your foot down. It's weird. And and you're right. The butterfly knife thing I noticed, too, and was like, why does he have this? I don't know. And I why did you know. cut his shirt when you could have just ripped it? And why did you... I don't know. None of it makes sense, but okay. The only other thing of note uh, that I noticed was that Carter tosses Roberto, like, a yellow glove to put on, but just <sighs> one... But you noticed, did you notice the yellow gloves in the previous thing or no? The brown suede, you call them brown suede letter. It looks yellow, but like it's one of those in that, in that. It's a light brown, a light brown or like an orangey, sunfiery, brown, tan suede gloves. Yes. And he does leave one on top of the couch and then tosses one to Roberto. But probably because the zip tie is so fucking slippery because they're doing this half ass. Is there anything else that you noticed uh, that's worth pointing out in this minute? No, I covered everything that I thought was of interest. So the one question I wrote down that I don't like is what color is the glove? But again, we have two different colors in the last two minutes. I'm going to get rid of that. So I wrote down the other question I have is how does Carter Verone rip open Detective Whitworth's shirt as he prepares for the rat? And it's with a butterfly knife. Uh, but we could say also his shirt is ready, like unbuttoned with his bare hands. Do you like that? Or do you have a different question, a better question? I like the butterfly knife topic. I don't know if I can form a better question that's like, what is, you know, because it's the same thing, right? Like, what is you? What is the unique instrument that he uses to open his shirt? Do we have, can we do four different unique instruments though? It'd be like a cigar cutter, a pair of scissors, a butterfly knife, and then you're like, a, what is it? Like, what's the thing that you like use to open envelopes? Like something like that. A letter right? opener? A letter opener. There you go. I think we can just incorporate that here. How does Carter Verone rip open Detective Whitworth's shirt as he prepares the rat? His shirt is already unbuttoned with a butterfly knife, with a cigar cutter, with a pair of scissors, or with his bare hands. Perfect. That works for me. Yeah. That's fair. Um, then let's take a break and let us come back to talk about Justin's patron pick of Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. number 238 thunderbolt and lightfoot this episode is brought to you by joel osteen who was raised in houston texas with a loving family of seven and world-renowned parents world-renowned parents and full-time ministry shout out to joel osteen 
Well, shout out to Joel Osteen and welcome back to Too Fast, Too Far. We're talking about Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, written and directed by Michael Cimino, starring Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges, and also Gary Busey. Miss, did you see his misspelling of his name in the credits? Oh no, I didn't catch that. I like I was G- looking for him. G A R E Y. Oh, that's weird. I've never. Have you ever met a Gary with an E in there? <sighs> no, I. No, I have not met a Gary with an E in there, but I'm wondering if he changed it, if they changed it, if it was misspelled, you know what I mean? Like, maybe his name was Gary with an E in it, and then, like, as he became more famous, he changed it. Well, look him up. Gary Busey. Gary Busey. William Gary Busey. Like, maybe formerly known as Gary with an E. Nope. I think it's just a typo. His birthday's in June, so almost happy birthday. Almost 78. William what is, what Gary day is Busey. his birthday in June? June 29th. So he's not a Gemini. He's whatever's after that. Yeah, what, cancer. So, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, 1974. Like I said, Clean Eastwood, Jeff Bridges. So, Michael Cimino. So, I have some... I think it kind of informs... I was saying that I, I don't know if I was going to bring this up on air or not, but I think it, it, it's interesting. Because when I was last when I was out last night with Bob seeing Joe Parra, we were talking about this movie because he loves this movie, too. Okay. That Justin picked this movie, and uh, Bob was like... When I asked Bob about, you know, heist movies that we should watch, uh, he said he would have recommended this one, too. So, he loves this one. He thinks it's a great one. Okay. He was like that we were going to cover it. Nice. Um, so, Michael Cimino directed The Deer Hunter... He also directed Heaven's Gate, which is no- notorious for being, like, one of the biggest flops of all time. Okay. And he also did this one. And I think he's done maybe a couple of movies. With it. Like, those are the big three, right? Yes. Deer Hunter is huge, have you, yeah. Have you seen The Deer Hunter or no? Of course. The Deer Hunter okay. is set in Pittsburgh. Oh, well, sorry. Duh. They're, like, Steelers fans in the beginning of it. Go ahead. Continue. Sorry. You know how, like, that movie and this movie, and I haven't seen Heaven's Gate, are, like, super hyper-masculine. Like, these are just dudes being dudes. And, like, it's 70s thing, but it's also, like, you know all the women are objects and like there's all this masculinity there's all this sexuality and like every woman gets fucked and whatever right like it's all just like tough like dudes being dude kind of stuff right okay that, yeah that's fair I mean like I didn't I, I didn't think that immediately but I can see it now that you pointed out yes because I mean I think that's a lot of what like it's not only him like that's a lot of Clint Eastwood movies right like it's oh, yeah, just like the masculinity exactly. thing and like there's a thing on the wiki about how this is not necessarily about masculinity maybe like a comment on it or whatever but anyway the reason I bring this up is because Bob read Michael Cimino's biography. Michael Cimino passed away like six years ago, but he read recently his biography. And there was this thing that like was apparently like rumored throughout his life, but was that he always denied and other people denied. He was he was not run out of Hollywood, but like he just didn't direct for a while. Like he couldn't get a job. And so he just like left and just like lived, lived a normal night, a normal life. But like the biography posits that like in the last 20 years of his life, he transitioned into being a woman. So he's a trans woman. And like all these people that he like became friends with at the end of his life. Shunned him? Uh, ne- no, never knew that he was Michael Cimino, the Hollywood director. And so it's interesting that oh, like these movies that are about weird. masculinity and that are about, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that are kind of like angry movies. It's sad that like this guy was kind of like hiding the secret, and I think like people had like talked to him, like asked him about in interviews before, like you know, are you are you? And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, whatever. But then like people were just like, no, like I always knew her, knew her as Mickey Chimino, and so it's like this kind of interesting. What? That's so. The director didn't permanently transition and was still like no no no. Interview- I, think, I think what was I happening. She, That's what I'm trying to figure out. I think she did. I think, but it's also unclear because it's like. There was never, you know, confirmed or whatever. I don't. It's it's a very strange, strange situation. But from what I understand, because like, how do you deny it if you are trans? You know what I mean? Like this. Well, so like he also had she again. Like I don't know which pronouns he used. Like Same. she also Sorry. she also had like like lots of facial surgery done and like 
as Michael, when he would be interviewed, would deny that he had any work done. But, like, I don't know. It was, like, this whole thing. But, like, it's just, like, the sad thing that, like, this guy who makes, like, you know, these great movies essentially about masculinity and stuff, like, you know, he's harboring this, like, not secret, but, like, secret, right? Like, it's just this... It, it adds a layer to the movies in a way that's, like, both sad and, like, interesting and kind of profound and I don't know. But, you know, because I was like, I don't know if that's going to really make sense to talk about in the show. Like, it's, you know, it's just going to tell you off air. But, like, so much of this is just about, like, because it's, like, you know, this movie is somewhat, I would say, maybe problematic just in terms of the the, the gender politics and stuff. Like, just, like, yeah, every yeah, woman yeah. is literally just, like, there for whatever. But, like, I think it's hard to watch this movie, like, knowing that, like, not have a color you're reading kind of in some way, but just like this, you know, interesting, sad story. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it gives me a different perspective watching the movie. I like uh, knowing things like that. And yeah, now that you say that, you could definitely imagine without like any real evidence that this was a struggle that you're portraying through film, right? That like yeah. your, your, your personal struggle will have to come through in certain ways. So it being beyond a clint eastwood heist movie and kind of like you coming to grips with that in your own world is really interesting so yes thank you that's really yeah. really cool to think about there's not a ton of i mean the wiki's not super long for this like it's kind of you know there's not a ton of information out there the IMDb does not have an overwhelming amount of trivia like this is the guy's debut film michael chimino's debut film he was given the chance to write and direct this for clint eastwood after he was impressed with a rewrite that chimino did on the script for magnum force Okay. Clint Eastwood was originally going to direct this movie because he directed Breezy and High Plains Drifter and Play Misty for me. But then I guess, you know, liked the work that Chimino did and was maybe like, hey, like, you know, we talk about like with Vin, like, does he want to direct Fast 10? Like, it seems like it might be a lot of work. I don't know. So maybe just like, hey, like, I, I trust you. I think you have a good vision. Like, let's, you know, just do your thing. And like, let's just go from there. I'll just I'll just act in this one. That's all. Yeah. Very, very cool. I'm glad that we I, do have, have we ever watched a Clint Eastwood movie before for Too Fast? I don't think we have. That's a very good question. I don't think we've watched anything that had Clint Eastwood in it. Look it up now. He's been in 141 movies, according to Letterboxd. I don't think that we have. I know that Justin loves Clint Eastwood. I don't know if you've seen all of his movies, just most of the big ones or whatever, but I think he was... There's another movie that Justin wants us to watch, I think, for the show that he wanted to fit into a different, a future lap or something. Because I remember having a conversation with Justin about this movie in particular, not having seen it, you know, like a year ago or so. I think this is the first Clint Eastwood movie that we've done, though, I think. For, uh, maybe on the network in general. I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, what else somebody would have covered. Because, like, he's still making movies, but th there's not a lot of crossover with, like, the actors that we cover, the things that we do here, so. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to figure out, too. That's why, like, I was thinking about it as I was watching it. Because I love these old Clint Eastwood movies. This is a slow burn in an interesting way. Like, the pacing is kind of slow compared to what we would expect now but it's also awesome right yeah the pacing is very 70s i love this movie i think this is great um but it definitely does feel like you know feels like a 70s movie like it's just you know it's not like quick cutting action whatever you know we're just building toward a heist we're just kind of hanging out you know learning about each other a little bit maybe falling in love a little bit who knows but uh yeah that's you know it's it's interesting it's good in that way there's lots of fast and the furious overlap and you just brought it up in a great way that like that the bond friendship relationship like even it starts out pretty early and he's like what do you want from me and he's like just to be friends you know and you're like that's pretty awesome like i could see that and it has like a very you know brian and dom overlap in the 
that they're kind of criminals. He needs to learn from the other one. And and he's uh, enamored with, like, how good he is at what he does, right? Yeah, and I think, like, what, what always interests me in a movie when I watch it for the first time, where the title is, like, two characters' names, it's always, like, do they know each other? Do they meet? And if they meet, how do they meet? Like, you know. Yeah. Or are they even, like, you know, smoking the bandit? I didn't know who they were. Right? And, like, it's uh, the cop and the criminal. And this is, like, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, and I'm like, okay, maybe they're friends, maybe it's a cop and a criminal, whatever. But the two criminals, and they just, like, sort of meet by happenstance and just become friends. Like, it's it's interesting to me, like, when a movie, like, based on the title, you know, how it's going to play out, and they literally run into each other, right? Like, it's just, you know, he's running away from a thing, Jeff Bridges almost clips him with the car, and then he just, like, jumps in, and, like, just, like, okay, we're, we're friends now, like, we're going to be in this together, or whatever. I didn't know what to expect there either. I assumed that they were, like, you know, a ragtag team, and these were, like, the two guys, but I totally, there's a lot of this movie that just, like, kind of happens, and as much as that feels very random and unreal, it also then lends to being real, because you're, like, really? Like, did he just fucking, you're, like, well, I mean, maybe, right? Like, Jeff Bridges steals a car, he happens to run into Clint Eastwood, like, in the middle of him trying to get away from getting shot, and he's, like, hop in, and they just go from there. Well, yeah, he he hops in, but he actually he so he actually did the stunt himself. But like, so Clint Eastwood is a preacher in this movie. Yeah, it seems like I was I was like I don't know if he's just posing as one, even though that'd be weird because he's in front of a congregation. So like clearly he was a preacher, but I'm just like still feels like maybe it's not real. But it, I think it turns out later that it, it is real. I think he was um, a, he like was, but it was like a fake pre like he assumed a preacher's like it's not like he went to theology school. Correct. Right. Yes. He. He was existing as a preacher, although I don't think he was qualified to be one as a cover because he was hiding from his cohorts that robbed a bank together. So he's hiding out in the small town. He probably just like, hey, yeah, I can be a preacher. And then he just does the job. Um, Jeff Bridges plays Lightfoot. So Clint Eastwood's Thunderbolt, which we find out later the name, why? Um, and Jeff Bridges is Lightfoot, and he just opens the movie by just stealing a car from a uh, car dealership, which is, yep. I don't know why that that car dealer, like, you know, small town yokel or whatever, just like, why are you doing this? Like, it's your own fault, kind of, for, like, letting this guy you don't know, like, put the key in the car? Like, it's just, a, it's a weird thing, right? No, because I, I think about this a lot. I don't know, you've test-driven cars and stuff before. Like, you could even, like, test-drive a car by yourself, like, during COVID, like, they take your license. Well, now they take your license and stuff. So I get that it's a little bit different. But like, if you report the car stolen, they're gonna find you pretty quick, right? Like, he right. Well, yeah, like a but it's white... also like he knows that. Like, he just you know they switch cars like ten minutes later, right? But it yeah. just feels like there's no precautions taken in terms of the like. How do I make sure that this guy who I don't know, who like maybe is like you know lying to me about having a wooden leg, how do I know he's not gonna steal it from me? And like the answer, you don't. You don't. And the wooden leg is a good sell to be like. I'm trying, like, he's playing uh, to his apathy, like, his, uh, what, not apathy, his his empathy. Yeah. That, like, oh, this is, like, an injured guy. He's not going to cause any trouble. And then he's like, fuck out of here. I don't have a wooden leg. It just drives off. But <laughs> I think about I think about this a lot. Like, how are, car, how are more cars not stolen from dealerships being, like, I want to go for a test drive. And they're like, okay, let me get the keys. And then you're just like, thank you for the keys and just run away, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's also, you know, now cars nowadays all OnStar. have, like, you know, GPS or whatever and stuff in there. And so it's even easier to find Lo- LoJack and OnStar yeah, and whatever. Exactly. 
So Jeff Bridges steals the car, drives away. Clint Eastwood is giving a sermon, and a guy walks into the back of the church and starts shooting at him, and he runs out. And he's, like, running through a field, and then Jeff Bridges, like, swerves to not hit him and winds up accidentally clipping and killing the guy, right? Um, yeah. Who was chasing him. I don't think he... I, I don't know if it was accidental, but, yes, he does clip him with the car and kills that guy. And so then Clint Eastwood jumps in the car, and they go away, and, like, they're going to separate, but then, you know, it's just like, well, we're going to do this, and they just, you know, they're basically fast friends for the rest of the movie. Yep. And the only other real plot thing to, to get out of the way is that we later find out that, you know, Clint Eastwood, years ago, um, stole what I think is the amount to, like, $500,000 or something it from was this, five, like— It was half a million, yeah. From a, like, a an armored, like a, like, a governmental kind of place. Like, what was it? Like, the, like an armory or something? I don't remember. That part, I'm but it's not like this, like industrial, like it's not a bank. It's a heist, but it's not really a bank. Um, like there's money, there's a vault in there, but it's not like you know a, a retail bank. It's like this whole space or whatever, right? Yeah. Years ago, they steal this money. It's him and two guys, and they all go their separate ways. And the cops were like, "Oh, we found the money. We recovered the money, or whatever." And the one guy had died from a heart attack, and then the other guy like freaked out because he's like, "Oh, they found the money. Like we're we're screwed, or whatever." And then gets busted for stealing another bank, and kind of like in a Roman type of move, suspecting Brian, always suspected that Clint Eastwood, like Thunderbolt, you know, maybe turned him in or whatever. But he's just like, no man, like he just got he got spooked and he just you know did this thing, right? But yeah, like, he was he was so worried about Clint Eastwood being now the only one alive that knows where the money is that he was like convinced that he was trying to box him out, and Clint Eastwood was like, no, like it was hot, it's still hot. I couldn't go get the money. So, like, it just has to live there until, like, it cools down and I can go get the right. money. The third guy is the one who comes, like, you know, they, he shows up later and he's like, hey, let's get the money. And they go back to this thing because they, they hid it in the, in the walls of this one-room schoolhouse. And they go to the schoolhouse, and, like, it's just, just an, an enormous, like, elementary school, right? They're like, well. Yeah, massive. It's like a whole development, like, you'd imagine, like, a new elementary school. Yeah. Yes. Later, by the end of the movie, they accidentally wind up after there's a heist. They 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 knock out the uh, they t- knock off the same place that they had robbed years ago, um, and it sort of you know they get away with it, but also kind of fails in spectacular fashion. They wind up accidentally directly in front of the one room schoolhouse, which has been moved for like historical preservation or yes. whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So just kind of a little bit of happenstance. That, like I feel like when you're watching this movie. You're like, of course they're going to wind up with the money, the, the original money. It's just like, how are they going to get there? And like, this was a nice kind of way that like felt like coincidental, but also like in a in a way that I appreciated. Like once they bring up that the money was in the schoolhouse, you know that they're eventually going to go back and get it somehow. And it's likely going to be like only these two left. Right. And yes, I agree. I I did enjoy the happenstance of it. But then the the sad irony, and we're sort of jumping all over the place in terms of the plot summary, but the sad irony of this at the end here, because the guy, Red, who is, you know, was the third guy in the heist. And the crazy, all, he's he's kind of like the crazy one. He's like a little bit more violent than them. He's a little unhinged. He's like the grumpy, because the other guy is just like his patsy, right? Like he was, yeah. the, even like Clint Eastwood's like, oh, uh, so yeah, like the other guy is like just, what well, was he, the getaway driver? And he said like he he's like harmless if if he's by himself because they even have like the guy has the other guy has like him you know dead to rights with guns and just like things with like literally just takes them he doesn't even like rip them away he just like takes them out of his hands right so just yeah, like, he's, he's like, not worried about him yeah exactly but after things happen you know red beats the two of them up and eventually jeff bridges dies from his injury so like you know they get away with the money but also you know this friend that he had made that they had bonded you know together over whatever 
he doesn't get to enjoy the money together in the end. And, you know, it's a bittersweet ending. They even give him his kind of, like, his American dream. Like, he asks him, like, what, like, you know, like, what do you want or whatever? And he's like, I just want to have enough money to be able to go buy a white Cadillac convertible in cash. Yeah, pay for it in cash, right? Like, not steal one. And not steal one. And, like, at the very end of the movie, that's what Clint Eastwood goes and gets, and they're, like, driving in, right? Yeah. So he gets what he wants. It's just, you know, just he, a, he then dies. Yeah, he experiences it for, like, a couple hours. But where do you want to talk about? What do you want to start? Where do you want to bring up about Thunderbolt Life? Which, again, I probably should have said this before we spoil the whole thing or whatever, but, um, you know, it's available to watch on Amazon Prime for Pluto. free if you have that. Yeah, and also Pluto. So Oh. Yeah, okay, so, so even if you, if you don't have, if you want to watch the ads or whatever, yeah, it's also on Pluto. Pluto. Yeah, easy, easy to find. I really like this movie. You said you liked it, too. I think it's a good heist movie. The pacing was a little hard for me to get used to, but yes, as you said, it's like very 70s pacing, very Clint Eastwood movie pacing. Like, I just had to like readjust my mentals, accept the pace that we were going to go at. Yeah. And also, there's like a lot of them doing just jobs. A lot of this movie is like them to like get money or to like b- kill time while they're like scoping out the places. They just like they're working manual labor jobs and like flirting with women, basically. Yeah, which was very, very surprising to me because like this would not exist. It, like, can you imagine a Fast and the Furious movie where like we get to see like all the downtime? I can see it. Like, the only movie that would be in like is in the first one before they're just like, okay, like we have like we have too much story to tell now or whatever. We can't really have this, but like it's just like, yeah, I'm gonna get a job like welding. Or whatever, and I'm, we're gonna show me welding, and like we're gonna have multiple scenes of Jeff Bridges like putting down sod in this woman's backyard. Yep, yeah. And like it doesn't really pay off. Like it's not, you know, it's just it's just them. It's just they're hanging out. Yeah, they like all had to get like just regular ass jobs, and we see them all do their regular ass jobs like for multiple scenes in the movie. So like that was just very very strange to me. Well, what I what I did appreciate about that is one of my favorite lines in the movie is when. Um, the other guys, Red and what's the other guy's name? Goody. When Red and Goody uh, have like that ice cream route or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the kid comes up to them and like, he, like he's like, you know, you're on the wrong street. You're here too early. Like this isn't where you're supposed to be, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm going to wait for Judy in anyway. They have a better flavor of pistachio. And and Red just goes, look, kid, go fuck a duck. It's just like, what? Yeah. Like just this kid, you know, I get the kid's a bully or whatever. And this guy's like a bad guy or whatever. But it just... It was funny to me um, how just like how little of a fuck you just like, kid, get the fuck out of here. Go fuck a duck, kid. You you don't often see an adult tell a kid to go fuck themselves in a movie. So yeah. I, I did appreciate that a lot. I don't know what the through line is about pistachio ice cream in this movie, but that was interesting because it's not the first. There's like two instances of pistachio ice cream in this movie. Did you notice how Jeff Bridges eats ice cream in this movie? I did. It was interesting. Full mouth over cone. Mm-hmm. So Clint Eastwood is eating in a way that I would say is probably the normal way to eat ice cream, right? Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you just kind of bite into it or lick it a little bit on the side. But Jeff Bridges puts the entire scoop in his mouth and ostensibly like takes like a, a thin layer from all sides or whatever, right? Like it's, it's, it's wild. He fellatiates his ice cream cone. And yeah, it's a very interesting choice. I don't know why or how, but uh, very weird. Agreed. It's super weird. But yeah, pistachio brings up twice. Maybe pistachio, this is dumb. Was pistachio like a new flavor in the 70s? I have no idea. Maybe. Because pistachio ice cream, no, 1940. Never mind. I got no I got no ideas. Because I feel like pistachio ice cream, delicious. But I, I feel like it's it. also like the butt of jokes. So just like, I don't want pistachio. What? 
It's like pistachio, rum, raisin, and like coffee ice cream are like the ones when you're a kid, right? So like I can't yeah. imagine a kid being like I'm bonered for pistachio ice cream. Seems kind of off. It is weird that it comes up twice. That's like, what I'm saying. Because like pistachio is not like vanilla chocolate, right? Like right. so like it's it's distinct enough that in an era before uh, coffee cookies, blueberry muffin flavored ice cream, to have pistachio come up twice is very interesting. I agree. Do we have ice cream in the Fast and Furious? Is there any ever ever any ice cream anywhere? Ooh, I don't think so. Is Roman eating any? Like in Too Fast? That's the only. Place I mean, I it, could be, it would be Roman it. or Han, probably, right? Yeah, Han. Huh. No, I don't I think do. that there are. I don't think that there are. I also had the exact same thought about when we the movie starts and he's a preacher, and I was like, do we have any preachers or priests? Well, there's a priest that marries Dom and Letty. There's also the priest in four. Or the that, priest in four uh, is when I yeah Braga I was, goes to. Yep, and he's like father, or whatever, and he's yeah. So yeah, so I I, so we definitely have a we definitely have a priest. We also have a, a thing that I feel like is you know it's it's not new to action movies. I don't think it's been in the Fast and Furious, but we have the classic you know action movie trope basically of Clint Eastwood popping his shoulder back into place by like through sheer manliness, basically, right? He, like, ties a belt around a tree and then, like, yeah, yanks and, like, his yanks arm into place. It. Yeah, that was really, really gross, but uh, an interesting note to start on, and he's like, you're definitely not a normal preacher if you're doing shit like that. So, yeah, I, th- I thought that was pretty cool that he, like, starts the movie, like, because you're like, yes, this is the, you're right, this is, like, the alpha male, right? Yeah, it's just, like, this is, you know, ultimate in manliness, in badassery, in whatever, in in spite of the, the the amount of cars, obviously in this in the Fast and Furious franchise, I'm sure I'm sure it happens. But like, do, do they steal cars? Like they steal the cop cars in five, but they usually like the, when they get new cars, they like win them in races and stuff, right? No, they like I, they steal them from like the impound and stuff. Like they definitely like make use of police impounds a lot. But they don't steal them from like just like people, do they or do they? Not that I remember, and definitely not, like, carjackings either. Like, get the fuck out of the car, this is ours now. Right, where he's like, you know, I don't wish to be forward, but we'd like to exchange cars with you, so the faster you get out, the better it'll be for your ass, because they're driving that, like, stolen car that we talked about earlier, and, like, we don't have any license plates. We need license plates, otherwise we're going to get in trouble. And so they're just going to get license plates, and instead they steal the car, and one of them says, I thought you just wanted the plates, and he says, I didn't have a screwdriver. So it's just funny to steal an entire car because you don't have a screwdriver, even though... I'm just thinking about it now. At the end of the movie, he doesn't have a screwdriver and he uses his belt to unscrew the blackboard. So, like, I wanted to talk about this. You're a thousand percent right, and I wanted to talk to you about the belt buckle screwdriver situation. It's crazy. That's a very cool thing. It's very very cool, but it's difficult enough to not strip screws with a screwdriver, right? Yes. So, like, there's no way that the, like the 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 edge. I could maybe see if he had, like, filed down the, like, belt buckly part, like, the, the the stick part of it. I'm sure that there's words for all of these things, and I'm now curious that what they are. But, like, I'm sure it's, like, a, a tassel flip and whatever, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, the tassel flip of the belt. The, like, the stick part of it, like, I can imagine he would, like, file that down and, like, okay, you could use that as a screwdriver. But he doesn't use that part. He uses, like, the corner of the belt buckle itself. 
I was fascinated though because like so at the they get this is at the very end of the movie when they're in the one room schoolhouse. Yes. And you know he looks at this blackboard and I'm like okay what's he gonna do here like how is he gonna handle the situation? And he takes off his belt and I'm like I don't know where this is going like I'm is more confused than I was. <laughs> yeah. I'm like is he gonna take the pants off? What is he doing with the belt? Is he gonna, like wrap it around a thing? And then he just uses a screw. I'm just like okay. I did not see that coming. No, I didn't either. And you're right. Like, when he takes his pants off, like, do you have to, like, like, I, I always do this without pants on. And you're like, okay, that makes sense, right? Like, I thought we were going somewhere like that, but we did not. I'm sure screws from, like, you know, the 1800s or whatever, the 1970s, like, you know, they're probably harder to strip than the cheapo screws that we get today. You know what I mean? So, like, Yeah, like, the metal is a lot, a lot harder. It wasn't as soft. I, I have to guess that that's the only way to do it. Because, like, I've stripped screws that I'm, like, clean with, like, a fresh driver on a screwdriver. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I was, I was, like, laughing about that. The, the car that Red and Goody have, that Chevy, that old Chevy, looks so much like my dad's car that he bought that I need to... I haven't gotten a chance to call him in between watching the movie and talking to you here but like i have to recommend this movie to him and have to have him watch it because he has an old chevy at one point i think one of the the cars that gets like really shot up i think that one is like they have like a really old plymouth that kind of looks like his fury that he has so like for him this would be like a super cool car movie that he that he like owns two cars that look very similar to cars in this movie what is the car that they steal in the beginning uh, is that a Cadillac that they steal from the dealership? No, he steals a Trans Am, right? A Pontiac Trans Am. Okay. And yeah. Because yeah, he buys the they buy the Cadillac at the end. but Off the okay. lot, yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. I looked, there's a, there's a ton of cars listed on IMCDB, so. Yeah, no, no, it's a Trans Okay. I was like, what the fuck did they It is a Trans Am, though. Yeah, they, I was like, what did they think that this was? But they're a Pontiac Grand Prix. Oh, no, and th- this says Pontiac Grand Prix. This says Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. Yeah, Exactly. What the fuck am I talking about? There's there's like a bunch of pictures of the Trans Am that have other cars labeled in the backgrounds on gotcha. IM, car IMDb. Like the like the main shot is like that car, and then it's like, oh no, we mean like this car over its shoulder, like way in the back, is something else. So when we meet Red and Goody when they're eating, this is the first pistachio ice cream scene, and they get in the front of the car and they're talking about ice cream, how good it is. Uh, Red says, "Drop your cocks and reach for your socks." And I'm like, okay, that's in, that's in you know. Red's full of full of one-liners. He's full of one-liners and interesting quibs. I really, really like it. I agree. I think we should talk about the actual. Okay, so we should talk about the heist nominations of this movie. So I do want to say congratulations. This is the first time I did not win. That of the seven votes that we got for last episode's pick, you got four of the seven. Brian O'Connor was the winner of the oh, nomination nice. for. So he got four. I thought Dom, I thought I had a pretty good case for Dom. I felt better about my case for Dom than I did for most of the other people I picked. But Dom only got one vote. I don't know who voted. I, I could check. I didn't look. But thank you to that one person. And then Giselle's nomination by Brian got two. So I came in third of three. But Brian is the overall patron pick for last movie. Excellent. I'm glad that they agreed with me. You guys give me some faith now, although I don't trust uh, voting in general. I think for this movie, so again, if you're not sure what we're doing, uh, we are picking someone from this movie that we think is most inc- most likely to help our team pull off a heist in uh, some heist that we're going to pick at the end of the lap. Maybe we'll do a heist from one of the movies, maybe the Fast Five heist, who knows what it'll be. Yes. But 
I was watching this movie and like I and not even like for sake of argument, like I I genuinely can't make an argument for anyone that isn't Thunderbolt in this movie. Thunderbolt top tier that we might have another um De Niro heat situation on our hands. Uh no, no, sorry. Uh Schwazy in point yes. break. Like yeah. we might have another Schwazy situation where it's just like it, it got to be fucking Thunderbolt, right? Like you can kind of make a small case for Lightfoot because of his like enthusiasm and kind of use like the the Jesse situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well like he's young and enthusiastic and he wants to learn, but he's a little like reckless. He's green. He's too green, I think. He's too green. Although you would like kind of rally behind him and appreciate his immaturity for like the sake of trying to help, I think that he's too much of a liability. Because, like, you know, you obviously don't want Red because he's an asshole and, like, a maniac. Yeah, fuck that. I mean, this is, like, the Vince case for me. Like, Red seems way too, way too Vince. Remembering that your pick for the first movie was Vince. No, I, I think Vince is a very toned-down version of Red. Like, Vince okay. could probably get to the point where he becomes Red at some, like, you know after 20 30 years or whatever like he might become old and curmudgeon and then just be red but i think after that, he's been actually screwed or thinks he's perceives he's been screwed yes whereas i think that vince is like at an earlier stage more containable version of red maybe vince in fast five if he doesn't find the love of a beautiful woman uh Maybe he is red in this movie that he was screwed over by Brian like seeking vengeance, right? I agree. I 100% agree. Yep. Um, and then Goody is just kind of an idiot. Like, he's just, you know, he's just there for the ride. He's got some good ideas or whatever, he's but he's patsy. not, you know. Yeah. He's not very functional. I guess maybe, like, the only other guy you could make a case for is, like, the guy that they're like, damn, wish we had the engineer guy, you know? And you're like, well, he's been dead. We don't see him in the movie. But they're like, that guy was good at things and good at this thing and good at this thing and, like, didn't murder everyone and, like, also knew where the money... You know what I mean? Like, he had, like, everything going for him. Like, he was... Before we lost him, he might have been the crew runner that Thunderbolt becomes. Right. Yes. But we don't see him, so you can't be like, oh, yeah, we'll take the guy that we never see and don't actually know anything about. I was trying to think if there's even, like, a case against Thunderbolt. Like, if there's anything that he does that, like, would, like, take him out of the running. And I don't think that there is. Like, it's just everything he does is, like, measured and composed and professional. Hides. and like He hides for years, doesn't, go, like, chase the money. He, like, is not only, like, very planned, like you're saying, but he's also good at improvising. Like, when the dude, like, tries to get out of the trunk, he, like, drives away. They change cars. He, like, all of these things. I agree 100%. So I think it's just, you know, no voting, unfortunately, for the patrons. But, like, here's, here's what you can do. If you have a, if you have a counter-argument why Thunderbolt is not the pick, email in and we'll, we'll gladly entertain the idea. But, like, I don't think that there's – it's got to be Thunderbolt. Like I said, Jeff Bridges was, like, the only other one that I was like, maybe. But, I, yeah, I don't think he holds a can- – like, I can't argue Jeff Bridges over Thunderbolt for sure. So now we never so the Thunderbolt name comes from the news because the, of the the way that he robbed the armory with like a huge thing, right? Which is like again they use huge artillery in this movie too. Yes. We never find out though where the nickname Lightfoot comes from. Do we or do we? we well, he has that quib with the woman in the car when she like picks him up. 
and he and she's like, "What's your name?" And he's like, "Lightfoot." And she's like, "Your mom must have hated you." And he was like, "Lightfoot's a good name. What's your name?" And Melody. And he's like, "That's a stupid name." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm. Is Lightfoot like part of the like wooden leg thing? He, when he's explaining his name to Clint Eastwood, he's just like, "You know, my name's Lightfoot." He's like, "Yeah, but I, they, they ask something about like being Native American." He's just like, "No, I'm just I'm just Lightfoot, right?" So. Yes. Yeah, I like that too. Like, is this like a like your Native American name? And he's like, "Nope." Just like just my name, just my American name or whatever, right? So yeah, but this is obviously like you know a nickname your mom gives you, and you're like more more so he's he's saying we're criminals. I'm not giving you my government name type situation. Like I don't know you that well. I want your friendship, but like I'm not gonna tell you like call me Steve. I'll give you my like fun time name just in case. The way that they rob the bank is they get this enormous artillery, like they unload it from this crazy huge crate, right? That says water machine or like water yeah. equipment, right? But it's like it's like a tank style cannon, right? Like it's it's enormous. I think he said they mounted them on tanks. Does, does he say that at one? He's talking about tanks when they're unpacking it. So I think that he said that they like these were like mounted on tanks. I don't know where else you would use this because it's it's that big. It's, it's crazy. that big. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And they basically just, like, blow a huge hole in the wall and then pass the money through it. And, like, that's the robbery. Like, the robbery is successful. I, the, you know, the they they all, like, it doesn't go smoothly. But, like, the actual robbery itself, the heist itself, wildly successful the second time around. Yeah, definitely. It seemed pretty easy to the point where, like, even Lightfoot's, like, whole ruse and shit, they're like, oh, you didn't even need to do that. Like, that was fine. And now that you brought it up. Right, right. Lightfoot has to go in disguise as a woman to entice the security guard to get them their window of the alarm situation, all of these things. And that's very interesting knowing that the director later transitioned and mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, well, like that, this is like the weirdest part of the movie and not the dressing as a woman part. Cause like it's, you know, sure, whatever, that's fine. There's a security guard in basically like a retail store that's like watching, sitting there reading a newspaper, but it's actually just like, you know, a nudie magazine in the newspaper. Every night. But he's like on the street with this big glass window and he's like gotten like tricked before, right? Because the guy's like, oh, he's always in there because like one time like I had him come out and I put my dick in his hand. It's like, what? Why? What? He was like, it was like the funniest thing ever. I just put my dick in his hand and he didn't know what to do. And I'm like, yeah, that's a wild thing to do. So this guy who, like, is just, you know, overlooking the street, basically. Like a bar fly that just, like, happens to walk home that way. And the security guard's just there, so, like, Jeff Bridges dresses as this woman and knocks on the glass, and then, like everybody, you know, they're all very successful in this movie at binding people, like, tying people up. Yeah, I don't, it, but just, like, the whole, like, I don't know why the security office is in, like, such a very public and visible and accessible location, other than, like... The movie requires it? Um, because they're in a small town, so, like, the only way I can logic it out is that they're in a small town, and this is just, like, the storefront strip, right? Like, there is no, like, other, like, it's just office space, and, like, that's what you get here. Yeah, I guess it's fair. Yeah. That's, like, my only, only guess, but I I really have no idea. It was giving me vibes of, like, American Graffiti or, like, another Jeff Bridges movie from around this time. Oh, yeah. Um... The Last Picture Show, which we covered on Brian's show, that uh, me and Tobin talk, went on there early on High School Summer Party. Another Jeff Bridges, like, a amazing, incredible high school movie um, from, like, the 60s, I think, or maybe the 70s. Um, but, like, just, like, small town kind of vibes. 
Interesting. Interesting location. Like that was the, that was my one weird, weird thing where I couldn't really fully explain in the movie. Just like, why is this happening? I don't know. But yeah, okay. Why does he need to be watching all the things in a glass storefront, but your security, right? right? Yeah, I right. get it. It doesn't make any sense, but it works for the movie, and it's not like it's not egregious. It didn't take me out of the movie. It just like it kind of stupid. I agree. No, yeah, no. It's 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 not enough to like make me not like it. I just yeah. like, it doesn't make sense. Like it's such a bizarre thing. Choice. So. Yeah, like, but yeah. I guess you needed to tell this joke about putting your dick in his hand, and like without the glass, <laughs> you can't do that. Like doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I think it's also, like, again, that goes to, the like, the masculinity of it all. Like, this guy is, like, so pervy and so horny that, like, every night he'll just, like, re- you know, read, like, Playboy or whatever, right? Basically hidden inside a newspaper. But, like, you better not, like, none of that gay shit, right? Like, just... It's weird. And the fascination of, like, yes, this being a hyper-masculine movie when I think just putting your dick in some guy's hand is a pretty unheterosexual thing to do. Yep. And like, oh, but it was the funniest joke I ever heard. But then we hear about the, like, then you tell me the story about the director. And I'm like, this is, like, very uh, fluid and confusing, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I also think that, like, the whole, like, putting a dick in a guy's hand is, like, most, like, frat bro-y, like, I, like idea of what like what's funny. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if, like, I made this guy, like, because I'm definitely not gay, but, like... But now he is because my dick was in his hand. You're like, okay, right. bud, cool, yeah. But it's yeah. It, it is a very caveman idea of what what comedy is. I right. agree. Um, but then as they're going along here, you know, they get away with the heist. They pull into so they have Red and Goody in the back in the trunk, and they go to a yeah. drive-in movie theater. And they get they you know they almost get busted there. They drive away. As they're getting driven away, like I feel like I've never seen this in a movie before. But as they're driving away, that you know, cops are shooting at them, whatever. Goody gets Goody takes a bullet in the in the trunk through the trunk. Yeah, you're right. I you never see this. It's always like fifty thousand bullets at the car, and like nobody gets hit. And I know that like bullets are small and whatever, but I got to imagine that like more people just get like shot in that situation than don't. Because it's not like a it's not like a trunk is like bulletproof, right? No, but like even a car, like through the side door and shit. Like I'm like, I'm surprised more people don't get shot in movies like through the car. But I guess it's not advantageous for that to happen. So, and then I've also never seen this that like in the trunk, then he's just like, you're gonna be dead soon anyway. And like Red just opens the trunk, dumps Goody out. Goody like falls on the ground and just dies. It's just like, oh shit. Like okay, no, truly no love lost there between these two. Yeah, he was just like, get the fuck out. But Red's totally. I think that that was part of my um anti-red argument is that red seems super selfish yeah for sure like way more so than vince ever was like vince definitely did some things that seemed selfish or self-motivated but you know in context and stuff like you see that like he was kind of scorned and whatever red just like fully made this up and it's totally like fuck everyone i want my money like i don't give a shit about anyone else on this team even like that. Yeah, I mean, he's solely driven by vengeance, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Vengeance in own self-interest. Like, be, mm-hmm. even beyond the vengeance, he's just like, he, like, because he like fucks with Jeff Bridges. He like isn't really cool with Thunderbolt either. He like totally shits on Goody. So yeah. And so he, you know, they they pull over or whatever, and he gets out and he beats the shit out of them. Eventually, you know, injuries that will lead to Lightfoot's death, and he drives off in the car. And I'm so glad that he gets, like, this absolutely brutal death that he deserves where he crashes into a department store and gets out and stumbles through, like, kind of, like, dazed or whatever. Well, he was, like, working—is it the same department store he was working in? I forget. Because he's, like—because he 
you know, we see 70 scenes of him being a janitor at this department store. It, it might be. Okay. I mean, the wonderful part about this oh, in that yeah. regard is that just he gets basically eaten alive by a, like a Doberman, like a guard dog. Yeah. I want a Doberman so fucking bad. Every time I see them in a movie like this, I told you that's on the list of there's like three dogs that I gave approval for Rachel to buy. Doberman, Rottweiler, German Shepherd. Like those are her options. Oh, Pitbull. That's the fourth one. But like I want a dog that would just eat someone else for her that like just really likes her. Well, you know, it it worked here cuz he ate this guy alive. He did. And then, you know, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot get away buy the brand new Cadillac, and then life dies. So they don't get any of the, like, because there was so much chaos happening in the heist when they redo it, they don't get any of that money. Like, what happened to the money there? I think the money's all in the car, and I think they get, like, they get beat up and they get left behind. I think all that money is just, like, basically recovered by the cops. Okay, so they, like, had gotten it to the car or something, and then it's just gone. Because, yeah, like, no, because the heist goes swimmingly. The heist, like, yeah, couldn't be easier, almost. That's what I mean, but, like, I didn't know if they, like, stashed the money somewhere else or something that I missed in, in the franticness of it. But, no, you're saying that they just, like, had it with them, shit breaks bad, they have to just, like, give it up. Like, just, it burns because they it's better to not be caught. I think so. I think that's exactly what happens. Okay. And the money that they actually do wind up with is, is the original money, the first heist money. Yeah, when they when they arrive at the schoolhouse, he gets the money from the old heist. That's what they find. That's what they used to buy the Cadillac. Everybody else is dead anyways. It's just those two. Yep. Any other thoughts, anything else to talk about with Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? Oh, we totally missed a wild-ass scene that we haven't talked about yet. What's that? The one where they, like, Get in the car with this, like, guy when they're hitchhiking. Oh! Yes. Yeah. I even wrote that down. I don't know how I... Yes. So mm-hmm. they get so they get into the car with this guy, like, this hitchhiker picks him up, and he's, like, drunk? Like, well, it seems like he's drunk. He's just, a, he's just out of his goddamn mind, whether he's drunk or high or just crazy. He's just... He's insane. So they're in the backseat. They're like... And then, like, the car is filled up with smoke, and I'm like, what is this guy doing... I don't get it. And they're like, he ran the exhaust pipe into the car. Yeah. So maybe he's just getting high on the exhaust. Who knows, right? It's just whatever. He's driving like a madman. Yeah, driving like a madman all over the road, up and down the shoulders, whatever, whatever. Crazy. And you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And then he's like, okay. He like pulls the car over, gets out, and has a trunk full of white rabbits. And not like a trunk full, like there's like three or four. There's like dozens of rabbits. A trunk full, like packed to the gills, trunk full of white rabbits. And then he just like starts shooting at them at the ground. And then what, like Lightfoot like punches him in the head. Or sorry, Thunderbolt like punches him in the head. Clint Eastwood just punches him. And then they're like, okay, good. They steal his wallet and walk away, take the car. Yeah. It's one of those things where the guy's like, hey, what are you doing? And like he points the gun at Clint Eastwood. And he's just like, and he's just like, you know, just like kind of some, like it's the, it's a terrifying thing to be, like, have a shotgun point at you at all, like, let alone by, like, a junkie, um, ostensibly, or whatever, yeah, right? But, like, yeah, yeah. he just, like, he's he's never not cool, common. Like, like, when he, when the first fight with Red, like, the only thing that he loses, the only fight he loses at the end, you know, when Red, you know, he's hyped up on vengeance or whatever, but, like, when Red's like, all right, here we go, and, like, he just, like, effortlessly, like, beats him, and, like, it knocks him into submission on the ground. Yeah, he's... He's a really good fighter, but then there's, like, the whole, like, Vietnam backstory. What do you think the point of was that Thunderbolt pretended that he was not the hero in Vietnam? I don't know. Maybe he's not, maybe he's, you know, ashamed of it, possibly? 
or like just humility. But I was trying to wrap my head around because there's a there's a point like early on in the movie where Thunderbolt is describing Red to Lightfoot, and he's like, "Oh yeah, like he saved my life in Vietnam, and like he got some medals, and like that's where I know him from." And then when Lightfoot's asking Red about Thunderbolt, he's like, "He saved my life in Vietnam, has all these medals, and like." Like, he was a war hero in Vietnam. And he's like, oh, so, like, you just told me the other version of the story. Well, maybe it goes back to what you were saying earlier about not giving your Christian name. Like, they're friends, but they're not, like, friends' friends or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, there's a there's a line that they'll draw of how much they're willing to tell one another. Yeah, that that makes sense. But this isn't, like... He's not going to, like, go find him out by, like, being, like, oh, he was, like, a dude that won a medal in the war and saved a guy. Like, okay... That's very heroic, but I'm sure that there's more than one of those people. So yeah. it just, it seemed strange that he, like, wouldn't have told him that. Like, did he not want him to perceive him as a hero or something? I, I was trying to figure out what, like, what what was the point of doing this, but I have no idea. I don't know either. It's a good question. Sorry, bud. Um, you want to watch the trailer? Yes, I would like to watch the trailer. So the top trailer on YouTube was somebody else, but our number two listing was from our boys, at Movie Clips Classic Trailers, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. The weirdest part about this, though. What? Name of the video. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, official trailer number one, Gary Busey movie, 1974. He's in, you know, two minutes of the movie, maybe. Like, he's, Not you know, even. people know Gary Busey. Clint Eastwood's, like, one of the biggest movie stars of all time. People love Did this... Jeff Bridges, like, the dude, right? So. I, I a thousand percent agree. And this movie also felt like, for some reason, it should have had Terry Bradshaw in it. I don't know why, but it just felt what like... What was the movie we did? It was the Can- Cannonball Run that Terry Bradshaw in there, right? Yes. And it, like, but, like, for the Gary Busey role, I love Gary Busey. I have no problems with it being Gary Busey, but that seemed like a role that should have been, like, Terry Bradshaw for no reason, right? Sure. They're like, oh... It could have been anybody, but, like, I, yeah. you know, it was nice to see Gary Busey, like, you know, G-A-R-E-Y or whatever, I guess, right? So. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready for the trailer. All right. You are, but... Minute 57, Movie Clips, Classic Trailers. Three, two, one, play. Let each of us study to approve ourselves. Starting with Preacher. They're like, oh my god, what is this movie? Clint Eastwood is a preacher? That's a good start, by the way, that you see a preacher and then he just starts getting shot at and the two things running concurrently. Oh, so he's still in his preacher. Yeah, see, I think he hits him on purpose, right? Like, he's like, I'm gonna save this preacher. Maybe. I think he was just, like, out of control. He's just, like, you know, living loose, living fast, driving fast, whatever. I love that Jeff Bridges goes to that diner and orders, like, a full breakfast, and Clint Eastwood's, like, black coffee. That's it. <laughs> like, But they're, they're united in both, so they both have a huge crush on the waitress, right? Yes. Well, Jeff Bridges kind of has, has a crush on everybody in this movie. Well, Clint Eastwood does, too. He just is, like, more, more respectful about it. Yeah, he's more composed, for sure. Do you want to talk or do you want to play games? Why not do it again? I also appreciated the dynamic that, like, they're not the same age, that, you know, I don't know if it's, like, a generational difference, like, you know, like, 15 or 20 years difference, probably. I a thousand percent agree with you, bud, that, like, the, them having the, like, mentor-mentee difference in age was really nice. And it's not, like, dad and son type situation. It's just that, like, they're definitely older than each, like, they're definitely ages apart. Here we go. There's a lot of sex in this movie for the time that it came out, I feel like. Yeah. Also, it was kind of funny. Funny is, you know, scarring, whatever. But 
when like they're they're in that house trying to get the trying to figure out how to get into like the codes they need or whatever, right? Yes. There, there's the the, the the parents in the one room, and he's like interrogating the dad. And in the other room, there's the teenage daughter or whatever having sex with her boyfriend. That it and then like just mostly thinking snuck about in, probably, yeah. Thinking about like when the parents who are bound hopping down the hallway and they see their like they're like we need to make sure our daughter's okay, and then they go in the daughter's room and like she's bound on top of her boyfriend, yep. fully naked, also bound, and she's like, oh, we got a lot to talk about here. Very scarring, kind of a funny joke. But also, like, very, very weird. Like, why did you need to show teenagers having... There's just, like... For a movie that's not, like, very sexy, there's a lot of sex in this movie. I mean, it's the 70s, man. I think it's the 70s. I think it's also Chimino. This is his first movie. He wants to make a splash. And, like, you know, Deer Hunter obviously not holding anything back. And just, like... That's what this guy did. It wasn't what I was expecting in, in a heist. Like, I guess we just get the modern version of it with, like, butts in bikinis and Fast and the Furious, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I guess that's like a toned down. Like, we're trying to make a blockbuster PG thirteen movie that, which like wasn't really the same thing. So yeah, but it's I wasn't expecting that much, this much nudity and sex in this movie. For sure, and there's like the, you know, there's the where, where both times they have a job, like they're they're getting they're constantly getting hit on or whatever, right? And like there's the woman who's just showing up fully naked, like just hanging out, like just flirting or flaunting her body in front of the men in front of. Jeff Bridges is like, it's like, what? Okay. This is something I think about a lot that, like, like overt sexuality in a time where there, like, wasn't the internet, right? Like, I'm sure that people were, like, doing weird shit like this. Like, People probably had, still are. Pe- just... People probably still are. People were. And, like, now you just, like, see pro, semi-pro sex workers doing acts like this, and you're like, okay, like, yeah, that makes sense. But, like, back in the day, you know? There's maybe just women that would show up naked to the window while you're mowing their lawn, and you'd be like, "Wow, that was a yeah. fucking wild ass day." And mm-hmm. like, there's you're not gonna like take out your you can't take out your camera phone, right? So she could just be like, "Nope, didn't happen." And you're like, "Okay, cool." Yeah. All right, let's play the Letterbox game. So for Ooh. reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterbox, is seen by 1.1 million people. 1.082. They'll round it up to 1.1 million people. Thunderbolt Lightfoot, 1974, directed by Michael Cimino, starring Clint Eastwood, Jeff Bridges, Jeffrey Lewis, and Catherine Bach, and Gary Busey, has been seen by how many people? It can't be that many at all. I'll tell you, four past guests of the show, five past guests of the show have seen this. Really? And Jason Rainey's also locked it on there, too. Mm, I'm going to go... gave it three stars. Mike Manson gave it four and a half. Aaron Newworth gave it four. Austin Will Southern gave it three and a half. Bob Fisher gave it five. I'm going to go with 20,000. You are very close, but you're too high. Okay, um, 18,5. Still very close, even closer, but still a little bit too high. One more guess. Uh, 17,1. Within five, 17,095. 17,000, so you were very close. Of all the numbers, pretty good, pretty close, pretty spot on. Yeah, I, I had a factor in, you know, like, it's old... But Clint Eastwood, like, I'm sure that, like, movie buffs love it, but, like, the age and the, just, it's not hype, right? And it's not culty either, like, it's not deep enough to be culty either, so, yeah. Average rating of 3.6, most common a 4, then a 3.5, then a 3. How many out of those 17,000 have it in their top 4 of all time? 2. Too low. 4. Still too low. One more guess. 5. 14. 14 people have this in their top four favorite films of that's all time. That's a lot. Time. That's that's I that's a lot more than I expect. 
expected for sure. None of the people who reviewed it, like I looked at all 14 because it's not that many people. And I was like, who can we play? And there were like two that like were maybe doable. Um, so we're going to go to one. We're going to go to Dwight McCarthy. He did not review this, but he has this as his number one favorite movie of all time. I don't know realistically how doable this is. I'm sure you've heard of all these movies. You might have seen all three of these movies. Okay. I don't even know where to begin. One is from the 80s. One is from 99. Shout out to the 1999 podcast. Yes. And then one is from the last five years. So one from the 80s, one from 99, and one from the last five years. All three of these, directed by different men, but three of the most beloved and well-respected and most famous and best and most popular, all whatever adjectives, directors of all time. Three different people, though. Okay. Uh, Is one of them a Star Wars movie? No, they're all... I don't want to say they're all art house, because the most recent one was like a big movie, but like they're not... They're all very grounded. They're all very sort of character-driven. Two of them are... All three kind of are, are weird. The newer one is sort of an outlier here. Okay. I would say for sure... You've seen for sure at least one of them. Okay. And I would guess we've probably had in this game before. I would guess that you've maybe seen the second one. You might have seen the third, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. You gotta give me some more stuffs. Ask some questions, because I genuinely kind of don't know where, because they're all, like, famous movies, but I don't know where to begin. Are they, like, would you consider any of them, like, summer blockbusters? Mm, one might be, but I think, I would say it's more, a, it's, the the recent one is sort of like a hybrid of a blockbuster and an awards movie all wrapped into one. A blockbuster and an awards movie all wrapped into one. And it's the most recent one, and that one's from the 2000s, or the... The last five years. Mm-hmm. Last five years, Okay. Hmm, shit, what was, uh, I have no idea. Um, three big directors, is is one of them Spielberg? No. Is one of them David Fincher? No. Keep naming white guys, you're gonna get to one of them eventually. I know, fuck. Um, I'm really bad with directors' names, though. I would say you know for sure at least two of these, you're, you're gonna know all three yes. names, I don't know if you're yeah, gonna yeah. guess all three names, but you're gonna know at least two of these names for sure. Um... You can ask any question you want. I know it's harder, with, but I have, I'm like starting from z- like starting from zero is is a little bit more difficult. Like, and I'm trying to ask questions, and I'm just getting just like knows, rightfully so. But <laughs> I, it's hard to build off of. Like, I have nothing to go off of right now besides like no, the I year get they were so, made. Yeah, so just ask ask any question. You can ask specific or broad or like. I think originally this is how the game was supposed to be played. You're supposed to ask yes or no. I think we've gotten away from that. Maybe that was a car game too. I don't know. Are are they heist movies? Are any of them other? Are any of the other ones heist movies? No, no. I would say that they're all crime movies to a certain extent, though. I don't think that they're heist. I wouldn't say they're heist movies. That's fair. Were have we covered any of them for the podcast? No. Uh, Mike and I have covered one for a different podcast. Mike and I were going to cover another one for a different podcast that we didn't do that oh. the podcast was actually going to be named after this movie oh that's a good hint but i don't know the answer the third one mike and i would have gotten to eventually if we kept going cinemakers like on a very short list of directors we would have covered next on cinemakers this guy was very high up there okay the first one from the 80s is definitely a crime film the one from the night from 99 is, only is it like considered... dirty harry is it like another clint eastwood movie nope Okay, um, but from the 80s crime movie, 
Okay, go ahead. The other two are not technically classified as crime, but I would, you know, they're not not crime. Thanks. These are the best answers. They're really, really. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. One from the nineties. Mm-hmm. From nineteen ninety nine, the podcast. Crime movie from ah fuck. I, I don't know if it's. I don't really know if I, this. It's probably the least of the of the crime. Okay. An epic mosaic of many interrelated characters in search of happiness, forgiveness, and meaning in the San Fernando Valley. In the San Fernando Valley. Movie's three hours and nine minutes long. Magnolia. Magnolia. Okay, good. Pool. Okay, good. We got one. Okay, we're, we're, we're doing good. Perfect. Thank you. That's the one that Mike and I did because Tom Cruise yes. is in that movie. Makes sense. Cool. Okay. 80s and five years ago. In the last five years. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Since 2017. Okay. Was the was the more recent one an Oscar nom for anything? Yeah. Bunch of Oscar nominations. Bunch. Is it The Shape of Water? No. No. You said it's a movie guys. that you like. It's a movie that I liked. Did it win Best Picture? It won Best Supporting Actor. It won Best Production Design. It was nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for Best Director. It was nominated for Best Lead Actor. Nominated for Best Original Screenplay, nominated for Best Cinematography, nominated for Best Costume Design, nominated for Best Sound Mixing, and nominated for Best Sound Editing. So nominated for about a dozen awards, won two, Supporting Actor and Production Design. Oh, so this one kind of, this one must be kind of blockbustery because they usually, like, if you only win... That's what I'm saying. It's kind of a hybrid of awards and blockbuster. Because they, like, when you win awards that are, like, not the big ones but the other ones, it's like, oh, this was probably a huge movie that mm-hmm. won some awards. Not a Star Wars movie, you said? Nope. Was it uh, Mad Max Fury Road? Nope. But I'm guessing kind of along those lines. What other thing besides Mad Max? Was it a, is it a Marvel movie? Nope. Is it part of a franchise? Nope. Okay, so it was a single kind of blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. And not like Dune. Was it, it wasn't like super recent. You said like past five years. No, it came like, out. I'll give you. It's 2019. That doesn't help me at all, but... It budget of ninety million made three seventy four worldwide. So big, not I mean not enormous, but very big. Yeah, for sure. Came out summer of nineteen. Hmm. The top question. Here, this might I don't know if this is helpful or not. Actually, this is interesting. I've, I've never I'm on IMDb now instead of Letterboxd. The top question. Apparently, there's an FAQ section on Letterboxd or on IMDb. I'm sorry. Top question about this movie: Why is Samuel L. Jackson not in this movie? Why is Samuel L. Jackson not? In this yeah. movie, and it's not. I actually kind of like that as a, this as a clue. Was it like Black Klansman? Nope. Whoa. Get Out? Nope. You're you're it, you don't think black movies. Okay, so it's a white movie that Samuel Jackson wasn't in. But there's a reason he would have or should have or you know people would have assumed that he would have been in. Is it a Tarantino movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the most recent Tarantino movie? Not Magnificent Seven. Uh, oh, uh, the, 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 fuck, the Charlie, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There you go. Okay, Why is Samuel Jackson not in this movie? The Perfect. Answer, nothing official has been said, but it's likely that there wasn't any character for him to play. Okay, cool. Well, that, Wes, Wes, there you go. That's, that's how you get trivia that's on. The quality of answers on IMDb. The top question about this movie from the 80s. Okay. By another famous white man director. Why was Jeffrey crying? Why was Jeffrey crying? Why was Jeffrey crying? Hmm. What was Frank Booth's drug? 
Is there significance to the ear and the bugs? To the ear and the bugs? Is it... To whom do the sever ear belong? Oh, Reservoir Dogs. Nope. Before this. Predates Reservoir Dogs. That's right. Sorry. Was the robin at the end of the film real? The robin at the end what of the... What is the origin of the title song and its significance? This is fun. This was a good find. Like I'm very, questions. I'm very excited about the FAQ because, like, yeah, you I, just I, it. I, I gave That's character really things. That I don't, I think this is the hard, this is the hardest of the four. I wouldn't be surprised if you've seen this. I would guess that Rachel's seen this. Um, I don't know that you would have seen this, but obviously you, you've heard I of the can't. movie. You know the director. I can't think of anything with an ear or a robin. I, I can't think of it. What is it? There is a quote, one of my favorite quotes in the movie. I want to make sure I get it right. Hold on. Okay. About robins. About robins? I guess it means there's trouble till the robins come. Said by a Laura Dern character. I had a dream, she said. In fact, it was the night I met you. In the dream, there was our world, and the world was dark, because there weren't any robins, and the robins represented love. This is written in a way that only one dude would write it. And so this is actually a big hint. Even if you've never seen this movie, you don't know this thing. But if you know, you'll, you'll know why eventually. And for the longest time, there was just this darkness. And all of a sudden, thousands of robins were set free, and they flew down and brought this blinding light of love and it seemed like that love would be the only thing that would make any difference, and it did. So I guess it means there was trouble till the robins come. I have no fucking idea. What is it? Who, which director writes about love and dreams and weird shit? I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I, like, but from David the 80s. Lynch. Okay, David Lynch from the 80s. Okay. Mm-hmm. And why would Rachel have seen a movie that's a David Lynch movie that I wouldn't have seen? I don't know. I just, I think that she is, I think she likes a different kind of movie. She... I think she likes weirder kind of movies sometimes. Maybe not. I know she hated the new Jackass, and she was judging me for liking it. She was very upset about it. I was like, you're the, you're literally the only person I know who does not like that movie. But I don't know. Yeah, she, she like... She was very upset about it. She was very upset about us watching it. Like, very upset. <laughs> like, actively disliked. David Lynch's maybe second movie? I'm trying to think what else came before. He did... He did no, no, he did maybe his third movie? He did in the 70s, he did Racerhead, and then he did The Elephant Man, and then I believe this is probably... No, then he did Dune, and then he did this movie. Oh, I, I don't know. Kyle McLaughlin it? and Laura Dern. Is it Firewalk With Me? Nope, that's Twin Peaks. Kyle McLaughlin I mean. barely in that, because it's a prequel. Okay. I don't know. What is it? Blue Velvet. Ah, Fuck yeah. Sorry. I'm an You idiot. haven't seen that, I've right? Ne- no, I've never seen Blue Velvet. Ask I Rachel. Feel like... Has Rachel seen Blue Velvet? No, she hasn't. I feel like we were saving it for this for some reason at some point, right? Oh, we're never going to cover it for this, I don't think. I felt like we were, or for something else, we were sa- like we were going to cover it for something. And that's why I didn't watch it. But I don't mm. remember now. I don't know. I don't know. Because there's no, there's no actors in there that we would have covered for another show. And I don't think that there's any real crossover. I mean, like, it's kind of crimey in general. But I don't think, like, I love that movie. I think that, that it's one of his best movies. I mean, I love all his movies. I'm very in the bag for David Lynch. But I think it's one of his best movies. But I don't know that there's any real crossover thematically that we could do for this show. So if you want to watch it, go, go forth and watch it. Awesome. Cool. I do like that, that that's like a valid excuse now for you for every movie. Just like, oh, I didn't watch it because we're going to cover it for too fast. It's like, no, we're not. You're like, oh, okay. But I, I had an excuse like why I didn't watch it because we're going to watch it one day. No, like, no, you're not. There's like a bunch of these that I do save. No, I know. I know. And then, I know. Like, and then and it like, blends. Yes. You're not wrong. But I, I can't think of a reason we would do Blue Velvet for here. But watch it. It's I don't good. know. Like it's sometimes, weird. sometimes, and, and you also know that, and listeners, that sometimes Joey will like will like talk about some really random ass theme and we'll be like, oh yeah, that would work, and like we could do like all of these things because like we need infinite themes for infinite laps. So like, 
it might have been like a brushing passing thing at some point. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah. But that was Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Thanks again, Justin, for picking it for us. Next week, we have Fast Five, obviously, coming up next. But also, before the end of the month, we're going to have our patron pick. And I don't know where we're going to record this yet. We have to figure this out. But we're going to do Thief, the Michael Mann movie with James Caan, because this is when we did Heat. We're like, remember that he had that advisor since Thief? And you're like, we should play cover. So I'm like, all right, we'll do Thief. So we're doing Thief as a bonus Patreon episode sometime in May. So stay tuned for that. But next week on the main feed, Fast Five. Any other thoughts before we close up? I really like that movie. Thank you, Justin. It was a good one. And I am going to force or tell my father to watch it very, very soon. And I always love recommendations when I could give him fun movies that I think he would like to. So uh, I appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank you. Well, for all things Too Fast Too Forever, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at Too Fast Too Forever.com and our store at Too Fast Too Forever.shop. And come back next week for Fast Five and sometime, probably shortly after that, for Thief. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And we will tell you all about it when we see you.